So, uh, Ben, what you want to talk about? Uh, not much happening today, huh? Yeah, but it's a slow <laughs> news day. I, I, I was coming today. I was like, hey, man, I mean, what is going on in the world of news? I mean, nothing, nothing's out there, Kevin. It's almost like I was searching for it. I, I came up with nothing. Uh, well, 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 we'll see you tomorrow then. No, no. <laughs> no look, so much to get to. We are coming up on the 100-day mark until college football is upon us. Uh, you've got 101 days to go. We'll talk to uh, Matt Smith, southernpigskin.com, obviously about Jimbo and Nick. We were not playing nice in the sandbox, and we will talk about that here momentarily. We'll talk about that with Matt Smith. Also, Gurov Vidoc from the Battery Power on SB Nation. We'll talk some Braves baseball with him as the Braves are off uh, tonight before they head down to South Florida to begin a weekend series tomorrow. But it's Jimbo and Nick on this Thursday. It's all folks around the college football world are talking about. So, Ben, we might as well, I think, uh, what is it? Uh, Almost said Mary Poppins. No, the sound of music said, hey, let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. So here was Nick Saban, I think last night at a booster event in Alabama. This is what got everything rolling here. Here's a couple minutes of Nick Saban. But I know the consequence is going to be difficult for the people who are spending tons of money to get players. And you've read about them. You know who they are. I mean, we were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. All right, we didn't buy one player. All right, but I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's tough, and people blame the NCAA. But in defense of the NCAA, we are where we are right, because of the litigation that the NCAA gets, like the transfer portal. Every time somebody wanted to transfer, they'd apply for a waiver. Right? If you didn't give them, if the NCAA didn't give them a waiver so they could be immediately eligible, they filed suit. So the NCAA would back off and give them a waiver. So they just said, we're just going to make a rule where everybody can transfer. That's how that happened. So if the NCAA doesn't get some protection from litigation, whether we got to get an antitrust or whatever it is, from a federal government standpoint, this is not going to change because they cannot enforce their rules, just like Nate said. We have a rule right now that says you cannot use name, image, and likeness to entice a player to come to your school. Hell, read about it in the paper. I mean, Jackson State paid a guy a million dollars last year that was a really good Division I player to come to school. It was in the paper, and they bragged about it. Nobody did anything about it. I mean, these guys at Miami that are going to play basketball there for $400,000, it's in the newspaper. The guy tells you how he's doing it. So, um, but the NCAA can't enforce their rules because it's not against the law. And that's an issue. That's a problem. And, and unless we get something that protects them from litigation, I don't know what we're going to do about it. Ben, so a couple of things to unpack there from Nick Saban. One, what he's saying is not wrong. Right? And what he's saying is that are there schools that are using Name, image, likeness deals to entice athletes to go to school. They're absolutely why, because it's recruiting. Like I mean, Alabama. Like, like, well, yeah, I right. said, okay, are there people out in yep. public bragging about getting deals for athletes yep. to come to school? Yep. Yes, they are. Is it happening a lot out of the ordinary because the NCAA is basically spineless and powerless to do anything? Yep. Yes, yep. he's correct. You don't want to get sued. You don't want to have certain things happen to you. So you know what? People do what you want. We'll have guidelines. That's what they call guidelines, not rules, right? Mm -hmm. We have NIL guidelines, meaning guidelines to me are kind of like, well, these are what we'd like you to do. 
These aren't the rules. These are the guidelines. This is what we'd like you to do. If you do something a little bit different, there's not much we can do about it. So what Nick Saban is saying is not inaccurate. Right? What he's saying in that standpoint is not inaccurate. There are things going out there. He goes, if that's the way we want to play it, we'll go buy every player there that we can possibly get. That's kind of how I took it, right? Where he messed up was saying Texas A&M bought all their players. Jackson State gave a million bucks to a D1 kid to come there. Okay, this is where I would say, Nick, I have no problem with you addressing college football at large, but let's worry about yourself and not worry about what's happening at other programs, right, about how they do things. You can say, hey, there are things going on that I that raise my attention, but let's not call them out specifically in a public manner like that and say, this is what's happening. Because you better have some proof of them doing that. And I think that's the problem. With NIL, with all that, it's a lot of, we didn't do it, they did it, right? The school didn't facilitate any deal. The Aggie Collective, or whatever they call themselves, they did. Now, if the student-athlete happened to know, if they signed here, that that was waiting for them, well, we didn't do it. That was a pure marketing deal there. Now, again, so I think Nick has been correct, but in going after Texas A&M and Jackson State and Miami, I, I think that's the wrong way to go about it, especially, especially because in the world of college athletics, as somebody calls, kind of like the, 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 the code of thieves. Like, we're all doing it. Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> shut your mouth and let me complete this recruiting visit, right? Like, do, we all know what's going on. So where do you come down? Just let's start with Nick first, mm-hmm. and then we'll slide over to Jimbo. Uh, Nick Saban understands that when he speaks, everybody listens. Nick Saban understands that he is the best, arguably the greatest college football coach of all time at the biggest brand right now. Uh, you know, you know, uh, in college football, he knows that when he says something, people are gonna stand up and listen. Nick Saban needs to talk about Alabama. Nick Saban is usually very complimentary when it comes to everything about college athletics, college football. What Nick Saban got anything to do with Texas A&M? What Nick Saban got anything to do with Jackson State? What Nick Saban got anything to do with Miami basketball? And I think this thing, but think about what he really said. He goes, "Quote: Texas A&M bought all their players. We came in number two. He says." I don't know if that's sustainable. That's saying two things. He's saying they bought all their players. He didn't say they will not be buying players in the future. He says, it's, and it might not be sustainable. Meaning, if we think about this, he's saying it's not sustainable, and he's ranked number two. <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to understand when it comes to Nick Saban and his logic, Kevin, like, yes, he is right. But how you do it has everything to do with the fact that you do it at all. Nick Saban knows why he's doing this. Nick Saban is trying to say, look, if Texas A&M, quote, quote, has bought their players, and like you say, Kevin, no. If, if it's a, quote, Aggies Collective, I don't know what it's called up there in Texas A&M, Aggies Collective's job is to get players deals. Now, if they are getting better deals in College Station than they are in Tuscaloosa, that's a collective problem. Because think about this. So what's the difference in saying, a quote, Bryce Young got his deal once he got on campus. Well, what made him come, though? Like, how did he know that was waiting on him when he got – he didn't go in his room and somebody goes, hey, Bryce, you know who we are? We from Tuscaloosa. Yeah. You know, so – Bryce Young had a seven-figure deal, never played it down. Right? Before he ever played it down. And thing, right? And how do we know that Bryce Young was going to get that type of deal? Nick Nick Saban was asked about it, right, at SC Media Days, about Bryce Young before he ever took a snap. 
All I'm telling you people is this. Nick Saban understands. It's something you go back to, Kevin. To be a head coach in college football, you have to think a certain way. Think of yourself at the highest regard. And a lot of us do. There's nothing wrong with that. But if he's talking about Alabama coming up short and saying, hey, I'm sitting here at a booster event or whatever, fundraising event. Talk to the boosters and the fundraisers. Hey, we came in too, man. This is what I think is going to take to come in number one. Not. Well, I, don't even, I don't even think if you uh, – I would just leave it nebulous and say, hey, this is the environment we're in. There are other programs who are essentially buying their recruits. I don't think that's right. You don't need to name them. I mean, again, let people take from that for what they want, right. but you don't need to call out yes. Texas A&M and Jackson State. People can see what's yes. going on around the college landscape. But, I, I think but, that's – But great. I will say this too, though, Kevin. It, it goes back to what, I, what I'm always saying about the national championship. Do college football care about who wins that championship? Yes and no. There's a certain there's a certain portion of the country that cares a lot about the national championship because it's usually going to come from a certain region of the country. What rules? What what runs college football? You, the lifeblood of it. That would be recruiting, because recruiting is a national thing. It has its own. Well, really, it has two days now. You talking about early signing day and national signing day. So you got to win that. Who was number one at Texas A&M? What? Oh, Texas A&M just won a perception battle. What you got next? You got the combine. Then you got pro days. Then you got the draft. Right? Then you got SC Media Days. Then you got the season. So I think the thing about it is, is Nick Saban knows, hey, man, I'm supposed to be the GOAT, right? <laughs> I'm the GOAT, right? He's in the, yeah, well, why are we number one? Well, this, I mean, look, I, I think there's a I lot know, of things I, you can go to. I, 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 don't, I don't know what type of money they got in Alabama. They got all They money. got plenty. And, 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 you know, Texas. Yeah. But I, I just, I just what, what bothers me about it the most is, though, first Nick Saban talks about parity. What do you, like, what? Parity to you is what? Like, what is parity to Nick Saban? You won national championships at two different uni- at two different universities, both in the same in the same conference and on the same side of the conference. Then, because you don't win in the national championship, but you come out and say, "Hey, we still won the SEC." But then, a SEC school just happens to be number one. You're number two. Now you now you crying foul. Come on, Nick, man. Yep. And it would be different if Alabama was number five, number four. They're number two. Yeah, and, and they- not even and listen, listen, and not even by that. Most teams will never get a five star. These teams are getting twenty. And 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 fifteen of them, Nick Saban, man. I think no. I think they said uh, like. <sighs> Three schools got a, a huge portion of the top 100, but uh, Texas A&M got seven five-stars. They've never had more than one in a single recruiting class, and so that raised some eyebrows, but still, don't call them out. Jimbo then woke up today and said, not today, Saban. Not today. Not today. This, and said, we're going to have a press conference, and this was the opening salvo by Jimbo. I always said this. My dad always told me this. When people show you who they are, believe them. He's showing you who he is. Questions? Uh, to the left, Olin. Uh, a couple of things, Jimbo. First of all, have you had any contact with Nick since? No. Uh, oh, he's called. You just didn't take the call? Not going to. We're done. And uh, He shows you who he is. And then I just wanted to. He's the greatest ever, huh? And then I just wanted when to. you got all the advantages, huh? it's easy. Okay, so I got my clips backwards, but that was uh, that was Jimbo weighing it. You could tell he had a lot to say because yeah, just, yeah. just always simple. Has yeah. Nick called you? Yeah. yeah, he did. I'm not talking. Yeah, to we're done. Yeah. Okay, to expand. No, no, he's greatest coach ever. Greatest coach ever. When you have all the advantages, say, hey, life's good. I, I thought. Look, come on. Obviously, he had an axe to grind. Let's get. I'll get to the opening comments here because that's really where he kind of came out and sent the opening thing. But yeah. 
Obviously, there's an axe to grind against Saban. He didn't appreciate calling out, but here is, now I think I got it backward. I got it right. Uh, here is the opening comments from, uh, or apparently I didn't save it right. I don't know what, uh, apparently we're just all jacked up. I missed the opening. Let me, uh, I think Christian has it saved elsewhere. I will, uh, I will find it, but Ben, again, you talk about, uh, here we go. Here's Jimbo Fisher. First of all, I'll say it's a shame that we have to do this. It's really despicable. It's despicable that somebody can say things about somebody and an organ. More importantly, 17-year-old kids. You're taking shots at 17-year-old kids and their families. That they broke state laws. That they're, that they're, they're all money. We bought every player on this group. We never bought anybody. No rules were broken. Nothing was done wrong. It was all in the, and the way we do things, the ethics in which we do things. And these families, it's despicable that a reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen. And it's ridiculous But when, when he's not on top. And the parody in college football he's been talking about, go talk to coaches who coach for him. You'll find out all the parody. Go dig into wherever he's been. You can find out anything. And it's a shame that you got to sit here and defend 17-year-old kids and families and Texas A&M because we do things right. We're always going to do things right. But we're, not, we're always going to be here. We're doing a heck of a job. These coaches have done a great job. Our players have done a great job. The whole organization of recruiting people. It's despicable that we got to set at this level of ball and, and say these things to defend the people of this organization, the kids, 17-year-old kids and their families. It's amazing. Some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his, his deal. You may find out about, about a guy that a lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out, what he does and how he does it. And it's despicable. It really is. And it's a shame we have to sit up here and have this conversation about things we do. And it's and it personal to us. Yes, it is. It's personal to A&M. It's personal to our players. It's personal to our coaches and everybody involved. And I know the guy. know him really well. It's amazing that we're allowed to do those things. It's really despicable. And I, and I hate it. For our players who are coming here, who did things the right way, have done things the right way, and will continue to do things the right way, I apologize to you that people insult you publicly the way they're doing it. And our fans, I, I, I apologize to you guys for people saying those things about Texas A&M. But I promise you this, there are, no, there are no violations. There are nothing wrong. It's the second time we've had to do this with grown men who don't get their way and want to pout, throw a fit, and act up. Just go ask all the people who work for him. You'll know exactly what he's about. I always said this. My dad always told me this. When people show you who they are, believe them. He's showing you who he is. That is Jimbo sounding like a politician, man. I, like, and look, I, I appreciate what he's saying, but that sounded like Mike Gundy. I'm a man. Mm -hmm. I'm 40. Come, you're going to go. You're going to gonna tear down a kid who does everything right, who does everything the right way. Mm-hmm. And, and he goes to class and does everything right. And you're going to tear him down. That, that, I mean, this is a page out of Mike Gundy's rant. It really is. Obviously, he has no love lost for Nick Saban at mm -hmm. this point. He, you know, refers to, hey, we've made this football czar. But he's got skeleton in his closet. I think what people want to know now is, all right, Jimbo, if you're going to do that, what do the kids say? Bring some of them receipts. Oh, yeah. Right? If you're going to say that, yeah. what do you mean? Uh, you know, we got the football god over there and, well, Go see how God got his deal. Look, I get you're mad.
Because, I mean, look, he hit all the politician uh, points, right? These are kids. Kids and their families. You know, pulling on their heart. I mean, look, like he's hitting the playbook. 17-year-old kids and their families. And, you know, we're tearing them down. We do things the right way. And we didn't buy anybody. And we haven't broken us. I like he's very careful. Like we haven't broken a single law. We haven't broken any rules. Okay, did you buy players, though, through the collective? Basically, yeah, you probably did. And again, I, I, I'm, we're not naive to think that Nick Saban and everybody else isn't doing the same thing uh, in, in college football. But there was a lot of people looking at the scorched earth there with uh, Jimbo Fisher today been going, yes, who really obviously don't like Nick Saban, but really looking at him coming out and, uh, and laying into Nick Saban about some of the things uh, he had to say. Look, I get you're protecting your program. Excuse me. Your organization. We're now organizations, mm-hmm. by the way. Uh, and uh, look, it's going to be real interesting in Destin in 12 days. It's going to be real interesting when the SEC media days roll around and, and people follow Jimbo and, and Nick around because this is not going away because this is about, you know, name, image, likeness, who's doing what, who's buying players potentially. I think that's what everybody's worried about in name, image, likeness. Are we actually doing uh, giving kids money for them? Or is it, are they the warm body, right? We're like, hey, we don't necessarily need your name, image, and likeness. We just need a name, image, and likeness, and you happen to be it. Here's money. Uh, so, and that turns into pay for play. That's what people are, are worried about. Hey, kids go making their money off of themselves? Do it. Paying for play? That's where we have a problem, and I think a lot of people know below the, I mean, and, and the irony then of Jimbo and Nick, crying about all this is they know that their programs have more money than 90% of college football and college athletics. So they literally can buy whoever they want, right? I mean, it, they literally can buy whoever they want. Most coaches are, as you, you said before the show, most teams are sitting over there like, good God, like we might be able to do like one of them things, like one or two, like we can't do it for the whole recruiting class. We can't, you know, we can't get million dollar deals for our guys uh, in place before they show up. So uh, again, the whole thing is laughable when they start talking about breaking rules and all that because I believe, you know, everybody's doing it and there is a code of, you know, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying that kind of runs rampant uh, when it comes to stuff like that, Ben. So, uh, again, Jimbo laying into Nick. I'm sure Nick will have a response at some point. Uh, you know, Dion getting called out. He's all mad. I mean, how, how many more coaches are going to get dragged into this thing, you think? I, th- I, I hope it's a lot more. I really, really do because... Jim, as you said, Kevin is hitting all the points, tugging at the hearts of not just future Aggies, but future boosters. And the thing is, he's saying this. He's saying, look, I mean, the fact that Jim Jimbo is calling another head coach a narcissist, that stuff is, that stuff is <laughs> yeah, funny. That's- I mean, this, this, this was half former employee finally getting to say what I've been wanting to say. Maybe he speaks for a lot of assistant coaches uh, that, that was running mm-hmm. Nick Saban. But like he said, this is the thing about Jimbo, though, he better be careful with. We live in the world that everything now is documented. He says, quote, we didn't do anything wrong. You better hope you didn't. Like, I really, really hope. Because, and, and mind you, I'm not saying. Because somebody's going to look. Oh, absolutely. It's almost like you saying, it's like you saying, I dare you to come look at us top to bottom. Every single, you know, we'll we'll see, Kevin. But look, I can respect honesty, though. Jimbo was honest. Jimbo was frustrated. Because Jimbo goes, why is it when I benefited from something, that is that is litigated for every every college team. You want to call me out because we number one and you number two. Because if because if Nick Saban was number one, you wouldn't have heard none of this. That's the crazy part, people. If Nick Saban is number one in recruiting, 
You don't hear none of this. Guess what? If Nick Saban was number two in recruiting and it was a Texas A&M, you still wouldn't have heard from this. Nick Saban does not like Jimbo. You know how I know? Jimbo Fisher is doing press conferences because of something Nick Saban said. That's what Jimbo don't like. But Jimbo, I just think that at the end of the day, keep doing what you're doing. Because if you are a Texas A&M booster, them pockets just got a little deeper because yeah. they finna come with even more money. So oh, this, might, this might work in their favor. Oh, somebody's going to look. If, we'll, if we have people who are willing to go back on people's Twitter and see what they tweeted a decade ago, oh, somebody's going to look and see if somebody was <laughs> promised something before they signed on the dotted line. We got more to get to that. Obviously, it's taking over the college football world. We'll get more of that. When we come back, it's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. So Jimbo goes after Nick Saban. As you said, Ben, last segment, uh, the – Oh, the irony of Jimbo calling Nick Saban a narcissist. I mean, <laughs> you've played for a lot of coaches. Yep. I, I will give you a minute. <clears throat> Name one that wasn't a narcissist. Go. Is that the end of the list? All right. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was I was hit my first uh, pop one football coach only because I didn't know what a narcissist was. <laughs> but that's pop. I mean, I mean, yeah, I said, exactly. but that's pop Warner. I'm, I'm like, you get the oh, college. Man, all of them. Oh, because, because you got to think. If if I'm listen. If I'm the loudest voice in the room, if I'm the most influential voice in the room, if I'm the most influential philosophy in the room, it's almost like whatever philosophy you have about football, I need I need to buy into it. Whatever whatever type of way you you look at football, I need to buy into it. Whatever way you look at life, I need to quote buy into it. But at the end of the day, Kevin, look, I will say this about Jimbo though. Jimbo isn't lying when you say certain things about about Nick Saban. The things that we it's one thing when we say it from afar based on the based on the sound bites that Nick Saban gives us. Does Nick Saban seem like a great player? Now, is the end result at Alabama what you want? Yes. Is the, is the, quote, working environment conducive? Probably not. Is it a lot of pressure? Yep. Is it a lot of eggshells? Maybe. And I'm not saying that, that that type of, quote, work environment doesn't work. But when Jimbo says, hey, man, just ask any one of them coaches. Mike Locksley going to say all the right things because he's at Maryland. Hey, I appreciate him. Which thing Lane Kiffin would have said when he first got the job at FAU? Not now, when he first <laughs> leaves. Because remember that same. You remember that same. Uh, Lane Kiffin chose to not coach in the national championship that year. He's gone. I'm gone. I'm, I'm just going. I want to leave right then, right? Because what I'm saying is the thing about Nick Saban is Nick Saban. If Nick Saban never became Nick Saban and NIL was going on, and he said what he said, would it make national news? Nope. I mean, you got other coaches talking about NIL. They ain't Nick Saban. So the thing about Jimbo is Jimbo says, look, man, Nick thought that he couldn't be beat at something when it comes to this because of his brand. Nope. And let's call it what it is. Nick Saban does not like coming in second. Like he just, he just really, really doesn't. And the fact that he went from never losing to an assistant to losing to two of them in the same year. He lost to Jimbo last year. <laughs> he lost to Kirby last year. Now, Kirby ain't said nothing yet. Probably but you won't know say like I know. But Kevin, <laughs> this is the thing, right? This is the thing when it comes, when it comes you know, Anybody who's been around a person who has a narcissist type mentality, you don't, it ain't gonna take long for you to see. And I, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, depending on who you're talking to. But that's not act like Jimbo ain't speaking for a lot of people when they say, "Dude, Nick Saban gets on a lot of people's nerves." Because don't think that he don't like for you to uh, buy into what he says. What Nick does to the media is what Nick does to the fan base. What Nick does to the players. What Nick does to the coaches. Everybody better listen to me. You don't believe it? We talking about it. Everybody in sports media is talking about it, which because we have to. That's what we do for a living. Which I, I, I'm not. I'm you know I appreciate uh, you know I appreciate the material, Nick. But let's call. <laughs> but, at, but at the end, but at the end of the day, Kevin, we talk about this. Nick Saban wants to be the creme de la creme 
Meaning, it's almost like I want to be Nick Saban first, NCAA second, Crimson Tide. I don't want nobody over me. I don't care. Dabo beat me. He ain't over me. Kirby beat me. He ain't over me. Urban Meyer beat me. He ain't over me. Jimbo, Jimbo was over you in recruiting. Ugh. Jimbo was number one. Ugh. And the thing is, Kevin, he could have just said, think about his assistant. Coaches, all right, man, we came number two. No, nope, don't like it. Coach, don't go out there. They pay for everybody. What? Look at what they're doing at Jackson State. What? Look at what the basketball team in Miami doing. So nobody's safe right now. He done went from D1 to he done went from SEC to HBCU to the ACC in a different <laughs> sport. So all I'm saying is Jimbo, shout out to Jimbo for just finally, Kevin, being honest. Because we know what happens to media. You already the reason why I got my follow-up question, because I already know how you're gonna answer. Look at how look at how the guy's trying to answer. So Jim, wait, he's the guy, right? See how he can cut the interview like, go ahead. Say what you're trying to say. You good? Because I thought your open statement was over <laughs> yeah. with. I can appreciate Jimbo no. for being honest. Because at the end of the day, Kevin, look, what's the, the worst thing about college football is the fact that these coaches try to act like they like each other. They like the fact that, oh, congratulations, Alabama. No, bump them. I'm tired of them. <laughs> no, look, so, I, you know. I, I look at you know the situation, as you said, where Nick uh, Saban's going to get upset about the way things are. But I, I, I've i heard Christian say this, so I'll kind of just throw that out there, uh, where he said it on second down. is like, Nick Saban is also saying, look, if that's how we're going to do it, fine. You know, I think there's also some of that. Like, I think you can be upset with how Nick Saban says things and also look at what he says oh, yeah. and say, you know, the man's got a point. Because I think there's guys that bring up situations and you go, you're going to poke the bear, no pun intended, mm-hmm. uh, uh, w- with this situation and say, I mean, I thought we weren't supposed to use NIL as enticements for recruits, but if that's how we're going to play it, Texas A&M bought and paid for it. It's like, I don't know if that's sustainable, i.e., if they're going to do it, you better believe we'll do it. You know, if it's if it's if it's in, in the rules, and I think you look at uh, what college athletics is looking at and saying, look, there are teams that have the deepest pockets of deep pockets, and if that's the way we want to play it, fine, we'll play it. And Alabama and Georgia and and uh, you know Texas A and M and Ohio State will keep going out there and spending all the money. I won't say win because Texas A and M to this point hasn't won anything. But yep. again, I will say this is NIL has been legal for just a little bit of time. And we're already on Jimbo Fisher. So people saying, look, oh, you bought this, you bought that. Look, if you thought buying the number one recruiting class in 2021, or 2022, excuse me, is going to help you win football games in 2022, it might a little bit, but it doesn't help you win a national title or an SEC championship bin until 2024, 2025, where those, where those players get older, developed, et cetera. So I, I don't really know if we know how this is going to work. Uh, because the same thing we talk about in the NFL, are you spending a lot of money? Are you spending it wisely? Are you are you are you developing? Are you do just like the Jacksonville Jaguars? We spent we spent a lot of money be, because we had a lot of money. Did you spend it wisely? So I think the experiment on Texas A and M is let's see in two or three years if they have an SEC championship to show for it. Well, let's see if that and again maybe it's not the ends justify the means. Uh, and say, hey, well, if they don't, then who cares? It's the wild, wild west. I, I just think, uh, I, I think both coaches have valid points. You know, I, I like the way they say it. Of course. But uh, look, everybody's going to try to knock off Nick Saban. Of Why? course. Because he's the top dog. And Jimbo knocked him off last year. Said, look, we're going to beat Alabama. He said something well, else, and they, but they won. Whoa, 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 whoa! But, but think about this. Okay, and, no, 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 no. Well, think about this. Okay. Um, if me and you, if me and you were in the same business, and just say 
you you got the top team top. I got to find ways to show that I can, can beat you. I'm not going to – if I can't – okay, I beat you on the field, right? I did that outside outside of the fact that I'm making, you know, declarations before the season. Right. Now beat you off the field. But, but this is the thing, right? Jimbo was saying, hey, man, we got to find a way to show that we can compete with them. Well, how? Okay, 2021, we beat them. Check, boom, won that. We got to, we got to beat them in what they beat everybody in, what recruiting. We can't beat them in recruiting. Yeah, we can. And not only can we beat them, we're going to be number one. Regardless of where they end up, we got to be number one. Jimbo didn't know. Well, I would say he probably knew where they were going to end up. But I think with Jimbo, he's saying, look, man, I can't beat Alabama in most things when it comes when it matters. Like when it comes to that field, yes, we beat them last year, but that's, quote, in a down year for Alabama, right? He's saying, I got to beat them in the perception battle. I got to beat them in recruiting. Hopefully we can beat them again on the field. They're not going to win the West because Alabama's just too tough. And forget Alabama, still got to beat LSU, still got to beat Auburn and, and, and Arkansas and Ole Miss, you know, just running the gauntlet. What Jimbo is saying, look, man, I got boosters to answer to. Before I got to answer to – listen, the two people I got to answer to the quickest is the team and them boosters. Them boosters are saying, dude, we gave you $75 million guaranteed dollars. You ain't really – you right. I ain't really show, I ain't really show that much. We're going to beat Alabama this year. What? That's going to get everybody in the room. You, you, we going to beat them. And I'm going to go out there and say it. You going to say – yep. And they did it. Now – Alabama goes on to the SC Championship, beat Georgia. Georgia come back and beat them in the natty. They ain't seen. Texas A&M has not even been to Atlanta since they've been to the SEC. All right, what else you got for it, Jimbo? We're going to be number one recruiting. Heard about the new NIL thing? Yeah, watch <laughs> what happens. And I think what it is, Kevin, once again, you hear about a guy like Michael Jordan. What do they say? He don't want to lose to nothing. Dude, you can't even play him in checkers. And all. Crazy, right? Hear about a guy like Tom. There are certain people, dude. Tom Brady didn't come back because he loves football. Tom Brady says, I'm better than the mother quarterbacks. I'm better than Mahomes, Burrow, all of them. That's why I'm coming. Rodgers, take your little uh, regular season MVP, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's what it is with Nick Saban. It's a psychological thing of, hey, dude. He walked around and said, dude, they, they don't think I'm the GOAT no more. And why you, ain't nobody said this. They don't think we that good. Dude, you got the two best players coming back, coach, on defense and offense. Nah, nah, nah. So we got two best players. We ain't beat Georgia. Yeah, they beat us in that championship. We ain't number one recruiting. He got to say something. Because it looks like, wait a minute, man, they're cheating. And it's benefiting them and not us, coach. <laughs> I don't think they're cheating. I'm telling you, Kevin, it's something. No, they I say. mean, there's but a lot I, of that I going do, on. I, I understand that. But I can appreciate a good feud. It's too nice to me in college football. I, I used to like the days of Spurrier and Former. You know, I used to like I used to like the days of, you know, you know the Michigan head coach, Ohio State head coach, not liking it. Too much buddy-buddy now. Oh, I love that guy. No, you don't. I want Yasiel Puig, you know, uh, you know, Baumgartner. I want that with coaches because it's good for the sport. They got to play each other anyway. They're not going to fight. Now, I'm not calling for no little coach grudge match, but Jimbo and Nick, they, they ain't the same age. I'm going to get a, a Dan Mullen, Eli Drinkwitz uh, show and, fest. And, and, and if, you don't think, <laughs> if you don't think that coaches are petty, it's great that you bring that up too. Dan Mullen beats Mizzou. He's out there with the full dark heat. No, no, he's in the full dark Vader. May the force be with you. I keep, keep laughing. <laughs> year later, year later, Andy, listen, Andy tried to start a fight before halftime, right? Yeah. Because he was at his, you know, damn mother peaking playing with Coach Well. The next year, you lose to Mizzou. Coach Eli, drink, he's sitting there with a saber. And before he leaves, he goes, before I go, yeah, may the force be with you. <laughs> and he walks out. I love the pettiness. I think it's great for college football, but I will say this. Nick Saban, at the end of the day, Listen, man, I'm going to get you some cheese to go with that wine. I'm going to get you a violin. No one cares about the elite 
crying about something that they still, you were number two. I could get if you was, you were number two. You Alabama, deal with it. Y'all got new facilities go up every other year. Y'all freaking, y'all try to make Tuscaloosa look like a gigantic, you know, uh, you know, spa. When you look, you know, country club. Shout out to Jimbo Fisherman for, for keeping it, for calling it what it is. But Jimbo got personal with it. Oh, yeah. He called him a god and, and, and all this other <laughs> no, stuff. He's the greatest coach ever, right? He's going, huh? He's that's, going, what, huh? that's what we're doing. It's going to be. A, <laughs> listen, listen. Make, listen, listen. But one of the most watched games will be Texas A&M Alabama. It is going to be ugly <laughs> on that field. No, year. no doubt. We've got more to come here. We'll continue to talk about 101 days out till college football. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Streaming live at ESPNCoastal.com and live on Facebook and Twitter. wonder if... Uh, Nick Saban will be getting a Christmas card from Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean any of it. No, I, look, no, I, I like it, though. I like it, though. It is. It's a little back and forth. And look, I, I think people enjoy the, the, the back and forth of it. I think there's a lot of people that said, um, look, you had the number one class, the best recruiting class ever, your best recruiting class ever, seven five stars, like, I think most people look at that and say, that didn't just happen because you're really good at what you do, Jimbo. Right? Right? I mean, w- w- wouldn't most people say that? Right? Like, I'm not saying you can never have the number one class, but look, you've been, I think, top five for a, for a while. But again, when you have a, something that just jumps out enormously, like you have seven five-star players. Seven. Didn't they get, like, the number one recruit in the country at, like, five different positions? Yep. Like, how does that happen? It's not because you're just good at your job. Well, As somebody well, says, well, you're not that good at your job. There has to be some other. So I think most people do that. Look, that's why I think both of these guys have points, Ben. Like, look, did, did Texas A&M pay for their recruiting class? Probably on some level. Like, no, yeah, like no, probably. No, no, no. Did Alabama also pay for theirs? Probably yes, on some well, level. Well, well, so, I mean. Yeah. Yes, Kevin. Like, you, listen, the thing, about, the thing about this whole situation is this. We're talking about two of the biggest brands in the country. We're talking about two teams in the, uh, that represent the best conference in the country. We're talking about two of the top five highest paid coaches in the country. We're talking about we're talking about a school, Kevin, that has unlimited, unfeathered, right, uncapped resources. Not just money, resources. Whatever they want, they can get it. Somebody can say, "Man, we want another indoor facility." Get it? So. I'm not going to have sympathy for either side. Jimbo did what he needed to do, and he got the number one recruiting class. You know what that lets you know? But hold on. Before NIL was out, you know what Texas A&M was finishing? Still in the top ten. They were still very high in recruiting without the NIL. Now, did the NIL take them over the top? Yeah, it took them to the top. It took them to the top. And you're right, Kevin. We're going to see how this class ends up. But, man, this will be like, you know, I mean, Lamborghini <laughs> fighting with Ferrari, people. Like, this is what we're talking about. Because this is the thing, right? Jimbo says, I don't want to coach on him no more. Yeah, Jimbo, because you a head coach now. Jimbo yeah, yeah, Lamborghini Jim, fighting with a Ferrari about how to make cars more affordable. Yeah, That's yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's almost like this. It's almost like this. I don't, I don't really think it's called that, really. You ever seen one before? People, like, Hell yeah, I seen one. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I think what happens is, though, but both do bring up good points. It, it's almost like if I'm, a, if I'm at another school, and I'm saying, all right, this is how it's going to be? If this is how it's going to be, let's do it. If I'm another school, I'm saying, see, Jim, I mean, Nick just said it. Because this is what this, this is what NIL really is. Certain teams, this may be the only shot they get to get players. I'm not talking about the ones that get them. I'm talking about the ones that don't. I don't like him calling out Jackson State, but make no mistake about it, people. 
Jackson State had two things going for it, right? De- Deion and Sanders. That's what it had going for it. Because the Deion ain't at Jackson State. Travis Hunter ain't going to Jackson State, right? Because you think, you, matter of fact, you think Shadir and Shiloh going to Jackson State if their daddy ain't there? So it does work. It does work. But the whole thing about it is this comes back to the fact that, Kevin, most of us in life have never been at the very top of something. Like, we were like, dude, like, like in a hotel, there's 70 floors. I don't know what it's like to be on the 70th. Now, I'm in the hotel, but I end up at the top floor. The top floor come with access and all this other type of stuff. Nick Saban, he's been up there. And he don't, he don't want nobody. It's like Jim, he checks in. They say, sorry, Mr. Saban, um, we can put you on the 69th. Who's on the 70th? Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> what? And, and, and I think that's what this comes down no, to. Right. Because the powers that be, right, they do certain things. Like, I don't think Texas A&M is in the same tier right now as Alabama as far as, like, can win the national championship, right? But when it comes to resources, oh, oh, they top 10. Easily. Easily. So I, I do think both of them make good points. I will say this about Nick Saban, and I don't appreciate this. If I'm at school X, talk about your school. Don't come at me about mine. Because could you imagine if it was the other way? If Alabama was number one and Jimbo said that about Alabama, what? He said that about what? Nick don't get Nick doesn't get a pass because he's Nick. The main thing we do when it comes to the elite is hold them accountable. They like he calls it the quote. What 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 do he call Alabama like the Taj Mahal of the South or the Miami? No, it's not. Yeah. You know, there ain't no beaches down there in Tuscaloosa. They got some swamps or whatever they got. But I, but I, but I yeah. will say this. At the end of the day, Kevin, I just appreciate the healthy banter back and forth. Sure. Because if anything else, Jimbo don't like Nick. And, and listen, I don't think Nick like Jimbo. Then but but instead of just saying I don't like each other, Jimbo said, hey, you got? Yeah. Is this your king? Is this your king right here? As you see me today, I just hope that the Aggies that narcissist and, and, over there and, and, and the Tide are there on the same day. Oh, yeah. Look, it's it's going to be interesting. And, and, and look, at the end of the day, I think Jimbo verbally did the Will Smith on Nick Saban. Keep my program's yes. name out yes. your mouth. And that's listen, that's and, really and, all he and did. If, and if the meme ain't up yet, it needs to be. <laughs> But, 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 but Keep my program but hold on, out Kevin, Kevin, once your mouth. If you are Jimbo, don't you know you got to do that? Like, that's what people don't get. Jimbo has to say that. Yes, he did. Yeah. Jimbo has to. Listen, he, I got to win the perception battle with my team, with my team, with the boosters, and the viewing public. You know what that's saying? You know what somebody's saying? See, that's why I went to Texas A&M. That's how our coach is. He'll go in there and speak for us. Hey, man, that's a nice car. Nice, ain't it? Yeah, I just, <laughs> I just got here. We got to step aside. We got more to come. Three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, three and out on this Thursday. Glad you're making us a part of your day, Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. We've got a full hour two coming up. We'll take three. We'll talk a little Falcons football on the show today. Arthur Smith ain't playing around. Also, uh, Gurov Vidak, Battery Power on SB Nation will join us. We'll talk some Braves. Braves are entering a very favorable stretch of the schedule. Very favorable. We'll talk about that coming up with Gaurav in our number two as well. We take three on the flip side. This is three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. We're streaming live at ESPNCoastal.com on your mobile device with the ESPN app. Great to be here with you on this Thursday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. Streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, this afternoon, you can watch the show there as well. So, a lot to get to this hour. We'll chat with Gurav Vidak of 
battery power on SB Nation, talking Braves, baseball, Braves, entering a stretch that is highly favorable for the Atlanta Braves. We'll talk to uh, Gaurav about that. Could we see a Michael Harris sometime soon? Big-time Braves prospect. We'll talk to him about that as well. But, Ben, first, got to take three here on three and out. Take one. Obviously, we know about Jimbo and Nick. They don't really care for each other. What other coaches would you love to have a little rivalry going on the side? Coach Day, Coach Harbaugh. I mean, they might as well, right? Coach Harbaugh, thank you the truth now because he finally <laughs> beat uh, Ohio State in, what, seven, eight years? Coach Day, I mean, you just naturally shouldn't like the coach, you know, at Michigan. So I think Coach Harbaugh and Coach Day. I think, I think you know, a healthy Coach Beamer and Coach uh, – you know, Coach Dabo, why not? I mean, you got the two flagship schools in the state of South Carolina. You know, you got Clemson. You got South Carolina. I mean, you got Beamer Ball. They, I mean, if there's anybody that should have a rivalry, I mean, Beamer should just want to go up to, you know, uh, Dabo and just listen. You say one word to me, <laughs> it's going to be on. Like, like, like I'm sick of you. Look, Coach Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin, like, what are we doing? Like, come on, man. Like, we get it. The Egg Bowl is one of the most prestigious things. I know they kind of had a little fake rivalry going, but I want to hear. Listen, Lane Kiffin's been too nice. He's been too PC for me. I want the Lane Kevin to say, listen, man, look at those colors, dude. We we run say the Mississippi, man. Like, you know, uh, and I mean, obviously, you would love for, you know, Coach Billy Napier to have some type of, you know, back and forth with a Kirby Smart, right? Kirby's obviously, you know, at the top of the mountain right now, but I think it has less to do with what's gonna happen on the field, Kevin, and more to do with the coaches saying, look, man, we we don't got to establish a working relationship. I don't work with him. <laughs> I work in the same I work in the same uh, you know, uh environment as him. We in the same field, but you know, we're not in the same we're not in the same uh same state, let alone, you know, uh we just in the same division. But I just think that for me, I want I wanna and I gotta say this. Let's go, Lincoln Riley goes Bob Stoops. Why not? Coach Bob Stoops like Lincoln. Let me get this straight. I done built this thing up for you at Oklahoma. Yeah, you coach back-to-back number one overall picks in Heisman and Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Then you going to jump ship and go to USC? Really? I mean, what? You gonna? I mean, what? You're going to have a rivalry with Chip Kelly at UCLA? Most people don't even know that Chip Kelly coaches anymore. He's still at UCLA. But I, I, I just think that uh, – but, hey, the big three, though. Uh, Norvell, Napier, and Crystal Ball, y'all need to not like each other. I mean, come on. Crystal Ball, you know, he thinking, man, Miami is back. Back to what? Back to business? <laughs> back to what? And I know we don't need to pick on, you know, Coach Norvell, but look, it's just, once again, this is just healthy. You know, Eli Drinkwich was beefing with Dan Mullen. They had beef. Eli <laughs> Drinkwich forgot that he was in the SEC in his first press conference. He forgot, right? <laughs> He forgot he was in the end. So I, I think Kevin, as many as possible, man. Like I, I don't like all the, I don't like all the, you know, the kumbaya kiki and ain't without. <laughs> I, I'm serious. Like whatever happened to, you know? I mean, come on, uh, coach. No, I mean, uh, uh, coach, coach, coach Venables. I mean, Sarkeesian. What's up? <laughs> Holla at him. Like I, I thought that was what made college football even much better. When Spurrier used to beef with Fulmer. When Spurrier used to beef. You know, uh, you know, I mean, with different coaches around, you know, Coach Bowden, it was good for football. You're gonna have to play anyway. All this, no, those are my constituents. I really respect that guy. No, 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 you don't. I can respect you and still talk trash. I respect my parents. I talk trash to them. <laughs> I don't disrespect them now, but I talk trash to them. It's a healthy thing. So for me, Kevin, it's too much of the healthy thing. I mean, look, 
Jeff Collins. Call Kirby Smart to say, and. Well, you can't. You don't really have a leg to stand on if you're Jeff Cosby. And. Just being honest. And. Or no, you're just a guy being annoying over in the corner, right? I mean, that's really what it well, is. Well, well yeah. Well, Kevin, oh, let, 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 once again, let me say this, right? Okay. People used to call the Colts and the uh, Patriots a rivalry. It was People said, it's not a rivalry until the Colts win one. No, dude. It's like, I want coaches beefing, right? It's good for football. Why are we so nice? When Sean McVay laughed in the draft, when he saw the New England Patriots draft pick, laugh. Like, what kind of pick is that? <laughs> like, he, like, come on. When, when Mike, you know, I mean, when Mike Vrabel, he's come a long way, you know, in draft days. Because at first, I'm like, Mike, well, you're on camera. And dude behind your stomach hurt. Like, what's going on with that? So I, I just think for me, Kevin, I just remember the days of, you know, Ron Zook, when I had when he was my head coach, he beefed with every head coach. He ain't like none of them. He ain't like former, right? He ain't like Coach Mark Rick. He ain't like none of them. I'm, and I'm dead serious. And the thing about it is, is if I'm not mistaken, he didn't like Nick Saban, my senior <laughs> in Death Valley. They took that L, by the way. For those of you who don't know, but no, I I, I just think for me, Kevin, what was the score? You're, you're gonna go ahead and say what was the score? I, I can't. I, can, I think we won by like I think it was like twenty to thirteen or something like that. But uh, you know, a twenty one year old Chris League went to Death Valley and told them to take them. They did win the national championship. That <laughs> I year. guess they got the last but laugh. They, on they, that. They, they, they did suffer one loss though, so we were co champions. Don't worry. <laughs> We're not. So more more coach yes, uh, coaches yes, at each Kevin, other. I mean, obviously Army and Navy, they 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 naturally beef. Yeah. Uh, you know, all the time. But yeah, I I, I like that. I like that. Move oh, 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 hold on. I know what it is. I'm sorry. What's the head coach of Georgia State? Uh oh uh, oh God. You just uh you would you GSU for the GSU. They they yeah, need to be beefing. They now the teams are beefing. Coach Elton. Sean Elliott. Thank Sean, you. Sean Elliott, listen, Coach Elton, beef. Why? Because hey man, the battle I sixteen, baby. <laughs> let's, let's, let's make it do what it does. <laughs> I think you had a good one. Well, he's not a coach, but Bob Stoops and uh, Lincoln Riley would be good. Coach O versus Coach O versus Brian Bob Kelly. Stoops is like, I set all this up for you, and then you you did. Uh, but anyway, uh, moving along. Take two. Who will have more media attention on them at Media Days in July? Jimbo or Nick Saban? I'm going to go Jimbo. Because this is why, Kevin. Because Jimbo responded. Now, think about this. If Nick get all the attention because Jimbo won't respond, but look at how Jimbo responded. They're going to be saying, Jimbo, so did you think he was a guy when you played for him? I didn't. That's what y'all call him. You want to crown him? Go ahead and call him. But you said what you wanted, you wanted to see how he, quote, do things. How did he do things when you were there with him? Ask him. No, no, no. We're asking you. You you were there. Yeah. It should be Texas a right? Because Nick gets a lot of attention every way he is. He's Nick Saban. I get it. But once again, it should, it should be Jimbo. Jimbo got number one class, right? Jimbo's coming off a win against Alabama last year, right? This is supposed to be the year that Jimbo, you know, every year until it is the year, is the year, right? Oh, this is going to be the year they take that next step. They've been saying that, you know, since he's got there. And, Kevin, at the end of the day, I want more sound bites because who was the king of sound bites? That would be Nick Saban. Nick Saban gives you the rat poison, and I'm not going to talk about it and all this other type of stuff. Now, Jimbo, God, I mean, narcissist. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how he do things? <laughs> yeah. My daddy told me, well, show, so I'm going to show you how to is. Believe him. I said, well, my, well, tell us how you really feel, uh, Jimbo. So for me, it, sh- it is going to be, uh, uh, you know, Jimbo. It should be Jimbo. Because like I said, Kevin, Jimbo's the one started the declaration with Alabama. And he lived up to it. Now we go from declarations to, win- to, to winning and recruiting. Now we finna win the West. Uh-oh. 
Might as well put it out there. Because them boots are saying, hey, man, the more you win, the deeper my pockets in. My hand going yeah. farther down my pocket. And I think Jimbo Arvin has signed an extension. So life is good in the Fisher household. Yeah, I think it is Jimbo. I mean, look, he's, he's the one that made a run at the GOAT. You called him out on some stuff. And so I think people are going to be there to try to get him to double down. Well, he's, he said he's already doubled down, right? He's like, this is the second time I had to come out here and say this. Uh, and he'll probably have to do it a third time uh, there at SEC Media Days. All right, Ben, moving along, take three non-football-related question. Max Scherzer announced today uh, he is going to be out six to eight weeks with an oblique strain. They are without Max Scherzer now. They are without Jacob DeGrom. And uh, Tyler McGill, their top three pitchers, all injured. Is this the starts of the Mets going Mets? Yep. Because, Kevin, you knew it was going to happen right now. Let me just go ahead and say this. Because I know y'all, I am never rooting for anybody to get hurt. Definitely not guys as great as DeGrom and Scherzer. Those two are probably arguably the best tandem in baseball. I mean, when you look at what they're able to do, DeGrom was just, I mean, I, don't, I think it was in his contract in 2021. You weren't allowed to get a hit on him. It was <laughs> yeah. like, make sure you watch. But no, Kevin, you knew it was going to happen at one point. I will say this. The reason why it happens to Mets pitchers more than anybody else, it's so much pressure on a Mets pitcher because they're trying to be able to say, look, man, that's where they put the money in, the pitches, the pitches, the pitches. I remember when they had Syndergaard and, you know, Harvey and all, they, they had the superhero, you know. Uh, yeah, the Dark Knight. Dark Knight and all these different things. And apparently because- he was on cocaine. Jesus. When he was the- <laughs> well, I'm saying. I mean, I, 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 was, I wasn't making that up. It came out that you know, Matt Harvey was – when he was with the Mets, apparently was, uh, you know, fond of the powder. On the book of sugar. <laughs> okay. So, hey, I, 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 I'm just saying. It's rough. Yeah. So, I, 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 but, 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 but no, there are guys. It seems to be a chronic thing where guys break down with the Mets every well, single well, year. Well, and I don't, well, Kevin, like I said, too, right? If you are the Braves, right? If you are the Braves, if you are the Nets, if you are the Marlins, right? If you are the Phillies, it ain't the same type of pressure, right? The Phillies obviously got star power up and down. You know, Bryce Harper, right? The Nats have already won a, a World Series as of late, right? Marlins are the Marlins at this point. You know, and the Marlins are the Marlins at this point when you look at the fact they got an owner and Derek Jeter who say, look, man, we don't spend the money in Miami. Well, he's, I think he's out. Yeah, yeah. He, so, he, got, I mean, yeah, he got out before while the getting was good. He, he, got, he got his cheat. I, th- I think he's going to try to be a, you know, a part owner of the Minnesota Tibbles with him and his homie at A-Rod. But uh, I just think for me, Kevin, it just shows that the Mets are on a different level of scrutiny for two reasons, for three reasons. One, they can't win the NL East. Right. Two, look, you, you the, you the little brother to the Yankees who balling right now. The Yankees are balling, right? And number three, I mean, until otherwise, you a bottom feeder. Y'all spend a lot of money in the offseason and you just can't get it done. They throw money at pitchers like the Yankees do. The problem <laughs> is, it doesn't work. It you just gotta make work it. You gotta make it to the end. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, listen, listen. Hoping for a speedy recovery for you know Degrom and Scherzer, man. But I do think Kevin, it kill once again, it kills the morale of the team because that's a lot of stars. By you know, that's a lot of stars going to be missed by two of the best, if not the best, yeah. two in baseball. Look, I, uh, you're right. They spent a bunch of money to try to do what? To try to win. They're in first place. They've off to a great start, and now three of your starting five uh, in the rotation are going to be are out. That's not a recipe for long-term baseball success when you are going to miss guys for six in eight weeks. Look at how much of an impact we said it had with Ronald Acuna missing. Uh, what little time he did, right? It has an impact. And, and you're missing three guys who are very good, two of which could be all-stars uh, potentially. Uh, I know Max Scherzer will be, but uh, you know, DeGrom, they'll be Hall of Famers at the end of their careers. And you don't have those guys, spend a bunch of money, and as you said, may not pay off, and the Braves have a very 
very, very favorable schedule upcoming here in the next month. We'll get to that coming up a, a little bit later uh, on the show. But uh, the Braves with an opportunity to put themselves maybe a little bit back more in the discussion if they can play a little bit better. That's take three. We do it every day. At this time, we'll come back. We'll talk a little Falcons football in about 20 minutes. Gorov Vidak of Battery Power on Sports uh, or SB Nation uh, going to join us. We'll talk some Braves baseball with him. This is three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on three and out. Gorov Vidak of Battery Power. The SB Nation going to join us coming up in just a little bit. We're talking Braves baseball with him. But first, uh, ben, we're going to talk a little Falcons. Arthur Smith uh, had a, a little bit of a media session. And, well, where do we find out? He ain't about that tanking life. Uh, when people said, hey, man, what about, uh, you know, trying to improve your draft stock? He said, look, people who goes, I don't understand people losing games on purpose, trying not to win football games. He said, quote, that is the dumbest thing ever. He said, look, don't talk to me about rebuilds. He said, good teams rebuild every year. I, I would say that's a great point. You look at franchises like uh, the Steelers. I think the, the Patriots have done a good job of that, obviously, even with and without uh, Tom Brady. They're bringing in guys that fit their culture, fit their attitude, uh, their way of doing things, and they're rebuilding even though they've been you know, very successful. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs have done a uh, decent job of that. And a lot of people said, well, what are, do you not find any merit into getting a good draft pick? He goes, well, what good does getting the top one or two draft pick do you each and every year if you're doing it. He goes, plus the league has become transactional. He said there's value in trading draft picks. People move up, people move down. So just because you're two doesn't mean you're going to end up staying at two. You could slide back uh, through trades. He goes, people will trade players for picks. He's like, 20 years ago, people would give you their firstborn before they would give you their top draft pick, right? They didn't want to trade. Now, it's a transactional league. I need players. What you got? Basically, Ben, he's talking about not being a losing culture, right? Yep. What you've talked about a lot on this show is like, look, tanking, get out of here with that nonsense. Do you like that from, again, internally, you got to respect these coaches for saying what they got to say publicly, but internally, you have to look at your roster and go, unless we coach these guys up, it's going to be tough. Just from a pure talent standpoint, right? I mean, Ben, you know this, look, you're on the Titans, our goal is to not necessarily compete for the playoffs. It's get better than we were last year, and then we'll get to a point where we compete for the playoffs. But the coach can't say that, but you also don't want to develop that culture of losing, i.e., I don't want to be pick, picking in the top five just because we could get C.J. Stroud. I think somebody asked him, like, hey, what about the Bryce Youngs and the C.J. Stroud and the quarterback? He's like, you're wasting your time if you're asking me about 2023 players. He goes, we're trying to win now. I respect it. I respect it at the highest level, uh, in the highest degree. I think it says a lot about Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith seems to be a guy that says, look, man, everybody, like you said, everybody re everybody rebuilds every year, everybody reloads every year. I don't I don't want I don't want that when we say it around here in Flower Branch, it seems like we're throwing in the towel. Because we hear we rebuild. Yeah. You know, people think, oh, gonna be a long year. Oh, they're not gonna try to win. Oh, they're trying to be in the Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. Caleb, you know, Caleb Williams uh, sweepstakes. He's saying no. Because think about this. Players don't have time to be rebuilding. Like, players don't have time to say, hey, man, uh, I want you guys to kind of be all in on what we're doing this year. No. It's the Joe Burrow effect. The problem with most organizations is they don't say the same thing privately in, in staff meetings than they say in team meetings. If you're in a staff meeting telling, telling the staff, look, 
It's going to be a long year, man. Go out there and motivate them, man. Hopefully we can get something. No, it's like, look, what I say in here, we're going we gonna, to, you guys, I'm going to deploy that when we go out there. Because, Kevin, at the end of the day, right, ain't one team going to win it, right? Right. It's going to be it's gonna be 31 teams that came up short. Whether that's what, the th- listen, the worst pick in the draft is pick 31. That means you lost to the, to the you know. <laughs> right. You know, so, but I will say, it says a lot about Arthur Smith. Because Arthur Smith understands this. Win or lose. Right, whether he's no longer the, when he's no longer Atlanta Falcons head coach, what does your what does your player say about? Oh man, he was scrappy, man. He wasn't with that because you look at the situation where you know, uh, uh, I mean, when you when you think about Hugh Jackson, former head coach of the Raiders, obviously, you know, last time in the NFL he was with the Browns, was on the podcast talking about how, yeah, man, I, I believe they were trying to get us to lose when I was in Cleveland. You start saying to yourself, what type of like, what type of strategy is that? Like when people now. They're still going to be a number one, number two, number sure. three overall pick. I get that, right? But Kevin, just think about this. I'm not coming to practice. This ain't. I'm not finna give it my all for y'all to come out here and say, "Hey, fellas, man, listen, man, we we ain't we gonna try to do our best to get a high draft pick." What do you mean we? I might not be a part of that. Like every day in football is an audition. I'm auditioning to either be on the team I'm on or for the team I'm going to. I don't want to be bringing that type of. Hey, man, what y'all doing in Atlanta? Oh, man. And when we had Matty Ice for one year, man, we really went for it. You know, his last two or three years, we was just trying to get through the season healthy. I respect <laughs> that about Arthur Smith because, like I said, I was on a team that went four and twelve my rookie year and five and eleven my my second year. I remember, I remember this after we played the Jacksonville Jaguars the last game of the year. They're already in the playoffs. We played Jacksonville at Jacksonville. We have to have this called exit meetings. That's your last meeting before you have an exit meeting with the whole team. Then you have individual meetings with your with your position coach, and then you go clean out your locker. I remember Keith Bullock, all pro linebacker. To me, I mean the greatest linebacker in uh in the Titans history. He stood up in the meeting room. He said, "Hold on for a second, man." He said, "Listen, fellas." We better than this, man. He, Cause he kept saying, he kept stressing this. He kept saying, I ain't no loser, man. Like he's trying to say that's a mentality first. I was with the Raiders, and let me tell y'all something. While they while they didn't while they weren't losers, it was a loser mentality throughout the culture of the Raiders. That stuff has to change. I was also with the Bucks. That went, that was nine and three. Uh, going into uh going into uh December, they had to win one game to make the playoffs, right? They end up going nine and seven. They lost every game. They they end up nine and seven because they lost every game in December. They lost to the Raiders that I was on the last game of the year in Tampa. That's the last. That's when John Gruden got fired the first time. And obviously, when he came back to the Raiders, the rest was history. But I guarantee you, man, show me a good loser, and I'm gonna show you a loser. What in the world is a good loser? What in I, man? <laughs> if we gonna lose, man. We show some energy. Show hell no, 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 no. I when when football or sports is your life, whether you are a player. Coach, strength coach, trainer. It's rough when you're losing because that's all you got. Ain't no, oh, man, we good. You can't escape it. It's different when somebody asks you, man, how you think we're going to do this year? And, you know, you're, you're, I'm talking about my kids' team. <clears throat> but when it's my team, four and 11, so we got better from year one. We went from 4 to 5 to 5 and 11. I respect Arthur Smith for saying, look, if you playing for the Falcons, man, we going for it. I know our roster, but think about this. Let's just keep it a buck, all right? Joe Burrow, Higgins, Jamar Chase, Boyd, Eli Apple. You can't tell me. You can't tell me nobody really played for Cincinnati last year either. 
You sure as hell can't tell me no alignment. They were rough. I just know that this, Kevin, listen, my, my fourth year, man, I didn't see us going to the playoffs, but we turned it around, man. Ended up going 10 to 6. Played played the then San, San Diego Chargers. Probably should have beat them in the playoffs, in my opinion. The hell of Danny <laughs> Thompson and, you know, Sean Merriman and, you know, uh, Vincent Jackson and, uh, you know, Phillip Rivers, Antonio Gates. Listen, and we were in the game. Think about that. Antonio Gates, Hall of Famer. Danny Thompson, Hall of Famer. Sean Merriman, great player. You know, uh, Vincent Jackson, may he rest in peace. Antonio Camardi. Phillip Rivers, we have Vince Young, Norm Child, myself. You know, we ain't, we ain't have the big names, but we was right there because it took us so much to get through the season. We had to kick a 60-yard field goal to beat the Colts. You know, Baronas, Baronas, <laughs> he rest in peace, kick that thing. I'm telling you, it's a culture. Look, man, before you win games, you have to win. You have to build a culture. Look at the Atlanta Braves. Anthopolis said, dude, if I'm going to win here, I got to develop a coach. And he did it. And the rest, now, oh, you hope that that could, look, look at now, Kevin, every time the Braves lose, we think the world is coming down because it's the Braves. We expect them to win, right? So I just think that with the, with Atlanta, he's saying, look, I know Marcus Mariota ain't going to win a lot of debates when it comes to quarterbacking. I know that when you look at what we did in the draft, I know that when you look at the quote cast of characters around us, you don't even know who our starting running back is. Hell, we don't know who our starting true, running yeah. back is. <laughs> But at the same time, I'm telling y'all, this is what we're going to do in Atlanta. As long as I'm here, this is what we're going to do. Now, whether it works, and not, it, you know, you know, but I just think that for me, I can appreciate a coach that's saying, hey, man, I when, when we say we're going to work hard and try to go out there and win, that's saying I'm not going to waste these professional athletes' time. It is a waste of my time to use, to, to use my God-given talent for nothing. I don't want to do that. I'm going to make my money, but we're going to get, hey, no, 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 we, we good. We trying to score right here. What, what? Like, it just, it just doesn't – because it's like I said, it's like this. Ain't no DHs in football. I can't say, oh, I'm, I'm no longer this. I'm a football player, man. Put me out there. Because I want I want it. Because at the end of the day, if we come out and say – like, think about it. It should be a rule of football. If you tanking, you got to say it for the season. We're tanking this year. Just so y'all know, we tanking. <laughs> Questions. That's going to be weird. Yeah. Like, what? We tanking this year. We're not trying to win. We're not trying yeah. to win. We're not trying to win. We're going to do the best we can. I've already told the players. Questions. That's going to mess up the whole <laughs> – yeah. It comes so, down to it. Fall down. Don't <laughs> score. We need a top draft pick. Why did I not go for it on first and goal? I took I took a kneel down because we're not trying to get in zone. That's why that's my <laughs> It's got to make sense. Make it make sense. Nope. Arthur Smith, I respect but it. Yeah, coming out and say, look, I'm not about tanking. We're not doing that. We got more to come here on three and out. Should be an easier stretch upcoming here for the Atlanta Braves. But they are in the struggle a game right now. Gurov VDOC, Battery Power, SB Nation, going to join us when we return. It's 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, 3 and Out on this Thursday. Braves with the night off. And they begin a very favorable stretch over the next month where they will try to take down some teams with losing records. I don't think they play a team over 500, I don't think, for the next month worth of games. Joining us here from Battery Power, SB Nation, in front of the show, Gaurav Vidak joins us here on 3 and Out. Gaurav, how are you, man? Doing well, gentlemen. How are you two doing? Hey, we are, we're doing fantastic. The Braves lose 2 or 3. I think yesterday kind of hurt because it was – you had to lead three times and, and blew it uh, three times. But what is it about this team that they just can't seem to find a lot of positive traction? I know they haven't won more than two games uh, in a row all season. They, they just can't seem to find that, I guess, extra gear that everybody keeps waiting on. 
Yeah, for sure. It seems like there's just something not clicking, whether it be the hitting one game, the pitching one game, the the bullpen one game. They just haven't really been able to kind of put it together. But you're starting to see some of those pieces fall in place. Like, yeah, the loss yesterday was really, really difficult. But, one, the Braves were able to score a run in extra innings, so that's a good thing, and they were able to do it multiple times. Uh, and two, the, the offense started to get it going against a really good pitcher in Corbin Burns, which is not something you really expect to see. Uh, the pieces are starting to come to, come to come together. The starting pitching is starting to, to get better. Ian Anderson threw well. Charlie Morton looked like Charlie Morton of last year. You know, Max Fried had a non-elite Max Fried night, but was still really effective. And in the bullpen, again, before yesterday's blow-up, they had been sensational. You could really count almost every single person coming out there. It was the first time you saw Kenley kind of take a, take a wobble this season, which is kind of ridiculous to even think about. So, yeah, the performance hasn't really been there. But as, as of now, as of late, the past like three or four games, you're starting to see those pieces start to come together. And it all really, really the, the return of Ronald Acuna, as long as he can stay healthy, is a huge, huge influence on the entire lineup. So being able to have him stay there for a prolonged amount of time is only going to help things. The, the losses are, are mounting, you know, but I, I really do think that this team is right around the corner of, of a really hot streak. And like you said, the, the, the schedule is extremely favorable for them. And, Gorf, when, when you think about this Braves team, something you keep mentioning, the last four years, right, they've earned the benefit of the doubt. Yes. The pitcher hasn't been what you wanted to, but they still coming off, you know, back to back to back to back, you know, NL East champions, and then you add the World Series champ. How how much of it more of the fact that this is the first encore we've ever seen them coming off a World Series win, trying to maybe live up to that every single game in the game out, and just trying to deal with the ebbs and flows of a long season. Absolutely. You combine that with the fact that everyone is trying to bring their best every single night because they want to take down the reigning champ. It's a whole lot. Like I, you saw it with Trey Young and the Hawks this year as well. It's kind of tough to go from a really, really, really difficult postseason successful run and then turn it on for a long regular season. I, I totally understand it. I understand it's not going to be the easiest for these people, but it's great to it's great to see them. Uh, it's great to see them again. It really seems like it's coming around the corner. The only person that really hasn't stepped it up offensively, that really hasn't shown, shown those signs, has been Adam Dufall. And, you know, he's kind of playing out of position, albeit he's playing a great defensive center field, especially for someone getting their first start there in, you know, an age 33 season. Uh, I like the pieces. I like what they're showing recently. But, yeah, I'm sure that World Series hangover definitely didn't help things at the beginning of the season. Gaurav Vidak joining us here on 3 and Out. And, and, and Gaurav, you kind of have a couple of things that are, you know, kind of uh, amazing that they match up together uh, when you're trying to win games that defensively, Dansby Swanson is one of the best defenders in, in the big leagues. They might have one of the worst defensive outfields in the big leagues. I mean, Ronald Acuna helps that, but they may have one. Of the, so you have a pretty solid defensive infield, horrible defensive outfield, and you have a team that strikes out an amazing uh, amount of times. Uh, right now, is that something that even in a uh, analytical age can be overcome? Where it's like, I, I know when you get into sabermetrics, there are people that are like, "Hey, strikeouts don't matter. It's it's hits, it's home runs, it's getting on base." Uh, you know, for for power and and doubles, uh, but you you don't play great defense as a team either. I mean, is some of that overcomable? Are there fixes for some of that? How do you see kind of those issues as they go through the next couple of weeks? 
You know, that's a fantastic question, and it's something that I get asked a lot. Uh, offensively, the strikeouts are a bit worrisome, but at the same time, strikeouts are up, you know, around the league. When you have every single person throwing 94-plus coming out of the bullpen, it becomes a little difficult, and you kind of expect that to happen. Defensively, what you're seeing happening, it cannot happen. Uh, defense is costing them games, and that's something that should never be a factor. Yeah, we kind of knew coming in the outfield defense would be a little iffy with Ozuna over in left field, and with injuries to Eddie Rosario, you, you you don't expect it to be great, but they've taken a serious step backwards. And then in the infield, Matt Olson somehow has uh, he's a elite, probably the best defending first baseman in, in the entire league, but he's had his troubles this year. Austin Riley's had his troubles this year. You know, there's no one on this in this organization that's probably more angry than Ron Washington because you know he preaches defense, and right now the Braves are not executing defensively. And so while the offensive the offense does have its hang-ups, I'm not too worried about it. It's the defense that's really, really scary because, again, no matter how well you're pitching, if you're not defending, you can see a player go first to third and then score on a, on a pop-up, you know, out something that shouldn't happen in Major League Baseball. I'm hopeful that the Braves are going to be overcome what defensive yips come out of nowhere. And, go. I mean, when you think about a team like the Braves, as you mentioned, a guy like Matt Olsen, I mean, has been really, really good defensively. been, been uh, you know, show some flash to Braves on, uh, on the offensive. You know, at, you know, when he's taking that bass, I mean, how would you how would you judge him overall? Because we're talking about, we're talking about people having to replace guys, right? I mean, as Kevin says, nobody wants to replace the guy. And, and I know beginning of the season it was all about him and Freddie Free, but how do you, what grade did you give him thus far in this still very, very young season? Overall, a lot to a lot to see defensively. Again, he's, the, he's probably the best defensive first baseman in the league, and to see how he's been operating lately, it's been it's been tough to watch him play that play first. Uh, I probably offensively, he got up to a torrid start, struggled a little bit. Now he seems to be kind of getting back into it. Offensively, I probably give him you know a, a B plus. He's capable of even more. He's capable of more power. He's walking at a fantastic rate, of almost sixteen percent, which most likely isn't sustainable, and that will drop a little bit. But he's still getting on base a whole lot. Offensively, I love it. Defensively, he's getting an F from me just because he is an elite first baseman. He does not make these kind of errors, and I fully expect him to change that. And, and over the course of the season, you'll see, it. You'll see exactly who Matt Olson is defensively, and that's someone that, again, is probably one of the best defensive first basemen in the entire league. Gaurav Vidak joining us here from Battery Power to SB uh, Nation. And, and Gaurav, a lot of folks, a lot of folks, not just Braves fans, but a lot of folks talking about Michael Harris, uh, the young phenom who's really starting to rise through the ranks, had a great play in the outfield at Double A. Is this a guy that is moving ahead of schedule and given the defensive uh, problems, is he on a trek to wind up in Atlanta at some point? Or is this just, hey, give the guy some space. He's having a great run of it. At Double A right now, that's it's a it's also a fantastic question. I'm a huge Michael Harris fan. I think he's got elite tools and he's going to be a very special player. Uh, you know, he, you can plug him into the outfield defense right now. You can plug him into the major leagues right now, and he will be a plus defender with a plus arm. He's that good defensively. It's not something you want to see right now, just because of his age. He is very very young. Uh, he's shining in double A right now. He's playing absolutely fantastic. I would love to see him get a full year uh, of double A slash most likely triple A experience this year. 
and then actually think about the idea of him coming into the uh, coming into Atlanta. But if these injuries continue to to stay, if outfield defense continues to be a major major issue, he could be passable offensively in Atlanta right now. And when I say passable, I mean you know probably average to slightly below average, but he will provide that elite plus defense. So it really depends on how everyone else is producing, how how the outfield defense is shaping up. I don't see a path to him being in the majors this year, but I think next year, which I will be honest, I didn't I didn't expect him to even be ready for it next year until the very end. There's a really, really good chance he tries to get that center field job starting at the beginning of the season next year. Man, that would, that, would, that would be uh, incredible. But I mean, uh, you know, and finally, when you when you think about when you think about this Braves teams as a whole, obviously we talked about just the World Series hangover, trying to be able to live up to the billing. We talk about a guy Matt Olson who you expect a lot more from what he brings to the table defensively. Having Ron Lacuna Jr. in the lineup is going to bolster a level of enthusiasm in any team. But as Kevin mentioned, they got a run coming up of not too many teams over 500. Is this the time of the season where we can see this Braves team kind of go on a nice run and kind of settle in as you know as we as the uh, early days of spring become the dog days of summer? I 100% couldn't agree more. Max Scherzer just went out. He's out six to eight weeks. They just lost Tyler McGill, so the Mets are, are hurting real bad for starting pitching. The schedule is extremely favorable. Now is the time. If the Braves don't capitalize this coming month, there's a good chance that it's just going to be it's going to be an extremely difficult season. The Braves absolutely have to, and that's why it was so important yesterday to see the bats starting to get going against good pitching and to know that the previous two games the pitching had been good. As long as everything stays that way, the bats should wake up, and I, I, I really do foresee a very, very strong late May, early June, which could see the Braves go from that fourth spot closer towards second, trying to start to challenge the Mets because really the, the Mets are in a bad place right now. They're, they're struggling with a ton of key injuries. The Phillies have some of the worst defense all around that I've ever seen in my life, so I really don't trust them to be able to stay afloat too long either. It's now or never, not now or never, but now is a fantastic time for the Braves to take that leap forward and show everyone who they are, who they want to be, and that they're a, they're real, they're a real threat for this World Series this year. Gorov, just say it, man. The Mets are going to met. They are kind of mad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Gaurav Vidak joining us here for Battery Power SB Nation. Gaurav, always a pleasure to be able to talk soon. Thanks so much for having me on. Appreciate it. Gaurav Vidak, SB Nation, Battery Power cover the Atlanta Braves. The Mets, as you said, three of their starting uh, five rotation out due to injury for a long time. Bryce Harper, if you're not paying attention, he's injured uh, for the uh, the Philadelphia Phillies. So, Ben, this is what the Braves have coming up. Tomorrow is March or, or May the 20th. This is what they have between now and in June the 20th, the Marlins, the Phillies, the Marlins, that rounds out the uh, the month uh, with Arizona, Colorado, the Oakland A's, mm. and they are they are taking on the A's who out west, if you haven't been paying attention to the A's, the A's are averaging like 2,000 people a night because the fans are like ticked off that they're not trying to win. You want to talk about not trying to win? The, the fans are like, we ain't having it. So like 2,000 people show up a night to watch this. You got the A's, the Pirates, the Washington Nationals, the Cubs, and then when you get down to uh, June 20th, it's the San Francisco Giants who are a very solid baseball team. So you're going a full month with a bunch of teams that are average to very below average. you got to have a good run here. I would think so. I, I think that sometimes, Kevin, you just want to be able to 
say, man, listen, let's go out here and do what we need to do. We are the elite team, and we are the favorite uh, to win most of these games, as you just mentioned. Let's not play down the bad competition. Listen, don't give the A's nothing to look nothing to look uh look forward to outside the fact that obviously you know our former first baseman is coming back to his former team. But it's time for the break because we want to know what it looks like. Because sometimes Kevin just having to say, "Hey, look, we went on a nice little run, fellas," and then it's all about it's all about staying power. It's all about making sure we still in contention uh, before the before the uh, before the All Star break and make sure you know we get for that long trick. And like I said, I mean Bryce Harper being out, Scherzer, Degrom is out. Hey, you don't want you never ever. I celebrate when people get injured, but this could be your window to go out there and really, really close that gap with the Mets and really kind of put some space between you and the rest of the division. Hey, we got more to come here on 3 Out. Matt Smith going to join us coming up final hour of the program. We'll check in on the PGA Championship when we turn. It's 3 and Out on the Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on 3 and Out. We'll talk to Matt Smith, southernpigskin.com, coming up here in just a little bit. Obviously, the Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher news. Uh, Braves off tonight. we we'll back. Uh, here tomorrow against the Miami Marlins, entering a very favorable stretch of the schedule. Roy uh, hit us up on Facebook saying the Braves will still be below 500 on that stretch. Have a little faith, Roy. I know they got a, you say they got a lot of bad habits on the Braves, but listen, below 500 teams, if it's ever going to happen, it's going to happen here in this stretch. We're playing some teams that aren't good. Some of the teams ahead of you are injured with pretty key players. It's It's set up for the Braves to do a little something. We'll see if they can actually uh, get that done. But, uh, Ben, the PGA Championship going on uh, right now. Tiger Woods back tied for 81st after his first round, but uh, someone in his group is winning this thing. Rory McIlroy, minus five in the clubhouse ahead of Will Zalatoris and Tom Hodge. Matt Kuchar uh, at minus three. So uh, a couple of familiar names there in the hunt, but Rory atop a uh, a major. Tiger Woods going to have some work to do tomorrow. PGA Tour is always better when Tiger Woods is on it, when Tiger Woods is playing, when Tiger Woods is healthy. You hope that he stays healthy. I think I saw him maybe limping a little bit, walking around. Hopefully that's just something the way he can just get the ice up. And you mentioned Kevin, you mentioned Kevin uh, Rory McIlroy. I mean, a guy that, take, I mean, outside of the Masters, I mean, has been very, very good in most majors and obviously seems to be playing well. I mean, this course seems to be very, very, very favorable to a guy like Rory. Hoping he can keep it up because – it's one thing, you know, I have, you know, being a being a top leaderboard is another thing. Maintaining that when everybody's, you know, surging behind you. But like I said, always good to have Tiger Woods out there on the greens and Rory. Hopefully, yeah. he can keep it up and, uh, you know, add another win. Yeah, Tiger Woods is plus four, so he's now tied for 117th. But he is in the clubhouse plus four. He is what nine shots back heading into tomorrow's round. So uh, we shall see uh, how he fares. Obviously, got a little bit of ground to make up there at the PGA Championship. But, Ben, coming up in the final hour of the program, man, we have got a lot to get to, a lot of it with college football, uh, Nick Saban, uh, Jimbo Fisher, uh, just ready to burn everything to the ground, right? I mean, I mean they are going at, uh, well, really more Jimbo going at uh, Nick Saban. Uh, Nick Saban, I think, earlier today on uh, the radio said, look, I, I didn't say they did anything illegal. But no, but what were you trying to say when you said they bought their recruiting class there, Nick? Right? What, what, what's the implication you're saying there? Well, I didn't say they did anything illegal. Well, <laughs> well, then if they didn't, what point were you trying to make? Right? Mm-hmm. They bought and paid for it. I know it's not illegal, but you didn't like the way they did it. And you kind of called them. You made it seem as though they were doing something wrong. And Jimbo mm-hmm. obviously took exception to that. We'll get to that coming up in the final hour. Matt Smith will join us when we return. We'll have the Jimbo and Nick audio for you as well. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin. Radio Network. Hit us up on Twitter. Love to hear from you at Pigskin Radio.
Final hour of the show. Kevin Thomas and Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. We'll have all that Jimbo and Nick audio from uh, last night and earlier today as we get closer to 100 days. I think it's tomorrow. Uh, 100 days to go till the start of the college football season. Our next guest, he knows that already, and he'll uh, love to hear him weigh in on all that's happening in the It Just Means More conference. Uh, our good buddy Matt Smith joins us here on 3 and Out. Matt, how's it going? Hey, guys. I'm doing well. I've not been publicly reprimanded today. I'm sure my wife will do so at some point this evening, but so far, no public reprimand. Hey, we certainly uh, we certainly get that. Look, obviously Nick Saban said what he said, then tried to backtrack off of it a little bit today. Jimbo came out and just basically like, I'm done with Nick. If you want to dig in his past, look, I, I don't necessarily have a problem with what either guy said. I think Nick said some things that you know had a lot of truth to it. I, I think, to me, the whole thing where Nick uh, messed up is – specifically going after A&M, Jackson State, and Miami. Like, look, you could say there are problems, and you could even cite potential examples not going after specific schools saying, and this school did this. I mean, do, am I wrong here? Do you disagree? No, I, I think that sums it up nicely. I, I don't think you can accuse other teams, other programs of wrongdoing because there's not necessarily – definition any definitions yet of what's wrong in this era you know we have state laws that, that vary from state to state we have the ncaa issuing some kind of vague guidelines a week or so back and saying they're going to try and retroactively enforce that so yeah and i think Saban probably immediately regretted what he said last night you know he apparently called jimbo even prior to that fiery press conference this morning which means his apology a few minutes ago on the on the serious xm show wasn't just trying to throw water on the fire as a result of what happened this morning. I think pretty quickly he knew he probably shouldn't have done that. Um, but he's frustrated because this is something that's out of his control. We've seen him that in the past, you know, going back to the, the hurry up, no huddle stuff where you had someone in Pickle and, and Gus Malzahn going up against Nick and, and Brett Bielema, you know, 2013-2014 era. He didn't like it, but he knew at the end of the day he had control over what Alabama's offense did. And if, by God, this hurry up, no huddle stuff – Lineman downfield was going to be the new college football. He was going to adapt to it. He was going to win that way, just like he did winning in the in the uh, the old school pro style, run the ball up the middle way. He did probably in the in the 2003 LSU team and the early Alabama team. But he can't control this stuff because there's no there's no guidelines, so no one's controlling it. You're seeing more boosters involved now, I think, than there were in the under the table era. So the, the, the fees, if you will, were going up. And there's just nothing for him to really control right now. And I think that frustrates him, knowing the control freak that he is. So, you know, I, I get his, his frustration right now. I do think he cares about the sport as a whole. Aside from just Alabama, the cynic would say last night it was just him kind of talking to the Alabama people and saying, hey, we got up the ante a little bit. If we want to get back to having the number one recruiting class, knowing what schools like Texas and Texas A&M can offer. But I do think to some extent he is looking at the sport holistically and, and is frustrated with, with where it's going, like a lot of us are, whether it be fans, whether it be coaches, whether it be athletic departments themselves. And, man, I mean, even even sticking with that with a guy like Nick Saban, though, how much of this is the fact that he knows that when he speaks, everybody listens? He was the same guy talking about NIL, having you know, very, very skeptical of it. When it first got, uh, you know, they said they were, they were going to open up the reins to that. You talk about a situation where with him, with Jimbo, it would be different. If Nick Saban was, you know, five, six, seven in recruit, they're number two. So even with everything Texas A&M did, I was telling Kevin this, this may be the only thing a guy like Jimbo could do to actually appease to the fans, to the players, and say, hey, so I beat him on the field. But as far as, like, going to Atlanta, recruiting rankings might be the only thing I can outdo him at. That's true. And I don't blame Jimbo for what he says. You know, I think he's 
saying, look, we haven't really been we haven't really been given any guidelines to follow from the NCAA again, aside from whatever they put out last week, which was nothing. So we're just kind of going by Texas state law right now, and we have fully complied with with Texas state law, and no one has told us otherwise. That's it, and you know he's right. So I get his frustration, and, and again, I do think Saban re- regretted what he said, but um, it, it's just the, your point about the number two recruiting class is very true. You know, he's I think he's had top three classes every year. I know Georgia got him one year early in Kirby's tenure. He got it back quickly with, with kind of rearranging his staff to get some more recruiters on there, took number one the next couple of years. And now A&M with a historically great class in the 2022 groups. I don't think Nick's wondering, I can't win national championships anymore because of this. And that's where I do at least give him credit for thinking about the sport more holistically outside of just what's best for Alabama, because this team is obviously going to be a national title contender as long as he's there. Um, but I, I think the frustration is he has no control over this. No one has any control of this. And for a guy like him who feeds off of that and tries to find loopholes in rules, not necessarily working with such vagueness that there are no rules, I think he's frustrated. But no one should obviously feel bad for him just because there's a bit more money um, in Texas, in Southern California, in Miami than there might be in Birmingham. No one is going to feel an ounce of pity for Nick Saban about that. Yeah, not not at at all. Uh, You you talked about... You know, reprimands for guys. I know A&M was like, hey, you know, uh, Nick violated some kind of, you know, code of ethics going after uh, Texas A&M. Do you think, though, that the SEC brass actually kind of like this? I mean, it's 100 days out, and you've just made Texas A&M, Alabama, the biggest talking point heading into the season. Nick versus Jimbo. It's going to be a talking point at SEC media days. I mean, they may have the, oh, we really discouraged. I mean, but behind closed doors, are they are they eating this up? To some extent, I don't think they were thrilled about it, but I don't think they were that upset about it because, again, these accusations are not going to get these schools in trouble again because the NCAA really has no power at the moment to do anything. So we're not going to end up in an era back in the 90s where you had you know half the league on probation. Then Mike Slive came in in the 2000s and said, hey, everything is coming through me. Cut out the, this public accusation stuff. We're not dealing with that. You call me. We'll work it out together. We're not getting the NCA involved. And that worked great for the 10, 12 years he was in charge of the league. And if there's one thing to maybe criticize Greg Stanky for, it's kind of letting this go farther than his predecessor did. We saw it earlier in this offseason with Jimbo and, and Lane Kiffin. Um, that probably should have been the end of that. I think if Mike Slive were still around, that would not happen again. We would not have seen Saban probably said what he said last night. We would not have seen Jimbo get this fiery response today. So, yeah, I think there's – not any risk to these teams of getting in big trouble with the NCAA and going on probation and, and, and that stuff. I, I don't think they were upset. And yeah, October 8th, uh, like I said earlier, I'm surprised CBS didn't just come out this morning and say, hey, October 8th, that's our primetime game this year, 8 o'clock. We know it's going to be a and in Alabama because that's uh, going to be pretty uh, fiery because there will be some, uh, I guess they'll meet next week or in two weeks in Destin, maybe work it out a little bit, but regardless of, of whether or not they communicate and and kind of make this water under the bridge to some extent. So that's still going to be a huge deal uh, come October when the Aggies and uh, and Todd get on the field again. That's something me and Kevin was talking about early in the show. I mean, uh, you know, bigger than just Texas A&M and Alabama with it being Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher developing a nice little, if you want to call it healthy, like, you know, rivalry back and forth with Jimbo saying last year they're going to beat Alabama. Obviously him talking about, you know, calling you know, calling uh, Nick Saban not so you know flattering names of what people call him. How much of that in college football is needed, though? And taking away from just the teams, but 
having coaches just having that healthy banter back and forth, they got to play each other anyway. But how much is you think sometimes? Because I remember when I was at Florida, man, I mean, Spurrier would say little things about Bobby Bowden, may he rest in peace, or you had that little healthy banter back and forth with the head coaches. You don't get that as much now. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's great for the sport. It was great in the 90s, and you saw it firsthand then. You know, the comments about Tennessee and going to the Citrus Bowl, even Florida State, that was kind of after the, the, shoe, the shoe thing came out back in 93, 94 with the Free Shoes University stuff. That had already come out and kind of gone through the process. But I think accusing people of stuff that's not really been played out in the public eye and the NCAA yet, I don't think that's, that's necessarily a good thing, but coaches hating each other and, and fighting and, you know, taking barbs at each other through the media, that's absolutely good for the sport. That's good for any sport. Um, we know that. People love this stuff. They love to see train wrecks. They love to see clashes and stuff. So, no, I, I think as a whole that's good for the sport. But I think when you're making accusations that you don't necessarily have, to have evidence for, I think that's a bit of a gray area. So I see why the public rubber man had to be – addressed and why Greg Sankey had to do what he did this afternoon. But in terms of interest in the sport, yeah, I think this is probably only a good thing overall, as we saw going back to Spurrier and even before that with coaches that didn't really get along, whether it be you know Barry Switzer, certainly was a very eccentric guy and took a lot of shots in the media. And then that helped the sport as well, going in its build from a, a regional sport to, again, being the number two sport in the country. So, no, overall, not a bad thing. You know, I think we'll, we'll move on pretty quickly from this. It'll come back and in Destin, it'll come back in October, of course, but I don't think it's going to really cause any real harm and, and should do nothing but benefit the sport in totality. Matt Smith, SouthernPigskin.com, joining us here on uh, 3 and Out. And, 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 Matt, you talked about saving addressing issues, and a lot of people are out there saying, look, we don't mind NIL. I, I, and I think if you, if you dive too much on social media, you'll get the – obviously you can't have – two possible opinions on the same thing. Like it's good that players are getting paid, but it's bad that we're having straight pay for play. And, and you look at uh, uh, what Nick Saban highlighted is look, if that's what we want college football to be, that's fine. I, and I think he's basically saying, look, they bought if That's what we're going to do. We, we can do that too. But when you hear stuff coming out of the, uh, the, the ACC meetings, I know you're a, a Notre Dame uh, guy, when you hear Jack Swarbrick saying, look, there, there's becoming two moons, two solar systems of college athletics, and they're going to suck all the money. Uh, and and it's going to you're seeing these, you know, alumni groups that are going to keep funding these big programs. Uh, and there's going to become a disparity uh, in terms of not there isn't already, but even more so of what teams are are doing uh, in, in terms of money coming in, what their alumni bases are, are, are willing to give out. And in the case of like Texas A&M, obviously, Look at the look at the pump price. I mean, obviously, tech, West Texas oil is doing pretty good right now. How concerning is that for you, as, as someone who I know uh, you love college football as a whole? When you hear administrators saying, "Look, we are rapidly going to kind of two two universes of college football, where uh, we're going to revolve around the SEC, it's going to revolve around the Big Ten, and everybody else has got a choice to make." Yeah, and there's a lot there, Kevin. I guess as I said the other week when I was on here, I don't think. First of all, NIL, I don't think anyone really thinks it's a bad thing in the way it was designed. That's great for the players. In this probably short window where they have some earnings power, let them get what they can get. Is it being used too much as a recruiting inducement in that we're seeing the cost of acquisition go up from the under-the-table era? I don't think that's really a bad thing. I don't think fans care. Everyone knows it went on, and again, probably the – the costs have gone up a little bit because you have more boosters willing to get involved now that it's kind of 
you know, legal adjacent, I guess. It's certainly not illegal like it was back under the strict NCAA rules. But again, I think the issue is using this as a way to pluck other teams' talent. And I think that's what's going to ultimately frustrate fans. And having the NIL and the transfer portal no stood out rule working parallel now, I think that's where you run into the risk of this sport going off the rails and needing a, a separate form of government, whether it's the CFT, whether it's you know, breaking away from the NCAA, which to me I still don't believe is really possible um, to a hard break given they need the NCAA tournament and that can't function with just a, a group of 40, 50 power five teams. So I don't think we get to that point, but overall, I don't think some of these things are a big deal at all. It's just a matter of how do we, we can't, you know, put the genie back in the bottle with regards to the transfer rule. I don't think that's possible, but is there a way to rein in the, you know, taking talent away from other teams? I think that will frustrate fans. That could hurt the sport. I don't think anything related to getting the players to come to a school, whether it's through collectives, whether it's just the increase in fees, I don't think that bothers fans. I think they're just fine with it. I think they understand how the sausage is made there. But when you get into the Jordan Addison stuff, I think that's where you have the real risk of, fundamental changes to the sport that could be harmful. I don't think the rest of this stuff is. I think people understand that in the Supreme Court rule on that, that you know, players should be able to do that. We're not going to see any type of caps, any type of revenue sharing. That's just not going to fly. But again, it's a million-dollar question right now, and no one has an answer for it, is how do you function this? How does this function with the transfer portal, with these collectives now being able to offer players after their freshman year or sophomore year that's where I think you ruin the sport. And as I keep alluding to, there's still a mystique in college football. It's different than pro sport that these are your guys. They take the classes you took. They go to the, the restaurants and bars that you went to. And whether that's real or whether that's fake, it's still out there as part of the lure of college football. And that's helped this sport, again, soar in popularity. And if that goes away, I think there is a risk of this sport taking a step back from where it is now. I think that's my concern going forward in the next couple of years about does this sport still have that allure that's somewhat different than professional sports and that I think people like that keeps a distinction between Saturday football and Sunday football. Yeah. And Matt, I kind of uh, akin this thing to potentially uh, with, you know, obviously certain schools have a huge alumni base. That's just, you know, it, it is what it is. I kind of akin this more to do you want college football to go the way of Major League Baseball, i.e. that there's a lot of team, a lot of gener- uh, you know revenue being generated. Some not that the schools don't want to spend it like you have, some, but a, a model where it is, look, Alabama, Texas, Oklahoma, Ohio State, they're going to spend whatever it takes, whereas some of your other schools could spend every dime they have, and they're just never going to be able to compete. Not, not, and I say, when I say compete, I don't mean like, oh, we only got beat by seven. I mean, like, they just will not be able to compete uh, out there at some point. You know, I mean, you can only have 11 guys on the field at one time. So ultimately, these kids still want to play because they want to get to to Sunday football and play in the league. So I don't think it's really that different than it's been throughout the history of this sport. It's not necessarily a parity-driven sport. There's different goals for different programs. I think that's fine, again, why we should go back and celebrate seasons like Utah and Pitt had last year. Obviously, they weren't winning national titles, but they should still be celebrated. You know, you bring those guys back every 10 years for a game and Water them at midfield after the first quarter. That's great. That's the beauty of college football. I appreciate that the programs had different goals, and, and a nine and three season somewhere could be historic, while a nine and three season elsewhere could be a disaster. And 
I think that's fine. But again, I, I think the history of the sport doesn't suggest that it's not going to get any have any less parity than it is now because it's not how the sport really thrives on a concept like parity. And no, as someone who grew up in a place where there's a lot of Orioles fans and a lot of Pirates fans, I don't think anybody wants this sport to become like Major League Baseball. And man, finally, I mean, what is all said and done? I mean, you know, whenever you know, when it comes to nuance, I mean, obviously, it's going to be the it's going to be the people coming out saying, no matter who it is, whether it's Nick Saban or whoever saying this can end, this can end it. Look, man, I graduated high school in 2000. I remember when everybody was buying the water and the salt ends because the world, it was going to be it. And they said it was going to be that when it comes to the transfer portal. And when it's all said and done, when I think of NIL, obviously I understand the powers that be going to continue to benefit from it because they benefit in the BCS era. They benefit in the college football playoff era. I know you said it's not going to be revenue sharing, but I will hope that we will get to a point to where if you are in college athletics, male or female, and you are there for a four-year scholarship, you should get something. What that something is might not be monetary, but it should be something. Uh, ideally, yes. And we've seen some progress from cost of attendance stuff to the, to the Austin rolling. I know some schools are handling that differently. I know Ole Miss has been able to kind of pay each student athlete upwards in the upper four figures. So again, not like changing money, but enough that you know you can make some purchases or, or you know, get back to your family a little bit. I think that's good, but. That, I don't know how far we get to that point. And, again, hopefully the, the benefit of the, of the NIL initially was that schools could work to help out some of these, you know, not just the superstars. And I think it's all kind of being funneled to the superstars. And that certainly was something that people did see coming. But maybe in our naivety, we, we thought it would be used to help out everybody, or at least even if you're talking the major sports, uh, everyone on the team, you know, the second string safety who, who plays 10 snaps a game, but still get, uh, you know, a, a nice payday or something or somewhere to benefit it out. And I don't think we're necessarily seeing that because it's all being funneled more to recruits and five-star talent. So that is the downside, even though, as I said, I don't think people necessarily care about how a player gets to campus. They're concerned about is, are they getting plucked away once they get to campus and, and play a season? So ideally, Ben, uh, again, we're in its infancy, so this could change very fast and very quick. We don't know where all this is going, but we can at least give it some time to let us play out. But I think that was initially the thought that some of those types of student athletes could benefit more in the NIL era than they probably are in the current structure. But again, we're new to this. It's still getting figured out. And, uh, and hopefully that does come into play because certainly they, they deserve a little bit, especially in the non-revenue sports. That is a heck of a time commitment uh, when you're trying to go to class and play these sports, getting on buses where you're not flying anywhere, you're going on five-hour bus trips for a tennis match or a cross-country meet. That's a lot to ask, even with a scholarship. So hopefully that day will come. But, uh, again, I, I think there's a lot to work out and a lot of changes still to come, both significantly in size and uh, pretty quickly as well. Matt Smith, southernpigskin.com. Matt, appreciate the time. May you stay reprimand-free today, sir. No chance of that, but uh, I'll, I'll keep my hopes up. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Matt Smith joining us here on 3 and Out. We'll come back. We'll talk about some of what he said. We'll hear from uh, the Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban audio that got this whole thing uh, started in the last 24 hours. It's 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you along here. 3 and Out on this Thursday. Braves off tonight. We'll have the Celtics and Heat game two coming up at 8 p.m. And so uh, the Braves will be back tomorrow against the Miami Marlins. We're getting close. I think tomorrow is 100 days until the start of college football and been the college football world set on uh, on fire in the last couple of days because Nick Saban weighed in on you know name image likeness and 
kind of threw some aspersions towards Texas A&M, and then today Jimbo Fisher came out, uh, you know, guns a-blazing. But let's go back and let's listen to what kind of got this whole thing started uh, with Nick Saban last night. But I know the consequence is going to be difficult for the people who are spending tons of money to get players. And you've read about them. You know who they are. I mean, we were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. All right, we didn't buy one player. All right, but I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's tough, and people blame the NCAA. But in defense of the NCAA, we are where we are right, because of the litigation that the NCAA gets, like the transfer portal. Every time somebody wanted to transfer, they'd apply for a waiver. Right, if you didn't give them, if the NCAA didn't give them a waiver so they could be immediately eligible, they filed suit. So the NCAA would back off and give them a waiver. So they just said, we're just going to make a rule where everybody can transfer. That's how that happened. So if the NCAA doesn't get some protection from litigation, whether we got to get an antitrust or whatever it is, from a federal government standpoint, this is not going to change because they cannot enforce their rules, just like Nate said. We have a rule right now that says you cannot use name, image, and likeness to entice a player to come to your school. Hell, read about it in the paper. I mean, Jackson State paid a guy a million dollars last year that was a really good Division I player to come to school. It was in the paper, and they bragged about it. Nobody did anything about it. I mean, these guys at Miami that are going to play basketball there for $400,000, it's in the newspaper. The guy tells you how he's doing it. So, um, but the NCAA can't enforce their rules because it's not against the law. And that's an issue. That's a problem. And, and unless we get something that protects them from litigation, I don't know what we're going to do about it. Again, there's Nick Saban's comments uh, last night. Again, Ben, I think a lot of what he said, I don't have a problem with. Right? I think where this thing got messed up, was when you said, hey, Texas A&M, they bought all their players. We didn't. Well, I mean, can you prove that? Can you prove that Texas A&M had deals in play? Now, does everybody believe that? Sure. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that say, look, man, you've been recruiting pretty well, recruiting pretty well, recruiting pretty well. When I say pretty well, top four, top five classes by Jimbo Fisher. Then you go to number one with a class that is unheralded. And, like, nobody's seen anything. Seven five stars. Like, I think five of the number one players at their position all going to Texas A&M. Now, mm -hmm. how does that happen? Mm -hmm. Is it because you're good at your job? And to quote a line from one of my favorite movies, Shooter, we're not that good at our jobs, right? We're good, but we're not that good. So I don't have a problem with him saying what he's – I think when you start calling out, when you call out Deion Sanders, now Deion's all mad saying, oh, Nick said we gave a player a million dollars. Well, look. I think most people would say when you're the number one recruit in the country, I'm not saying things can't change. But you go to a school that is FCS level as the number one team in the country. A lot of people will say, "Well, how did that happen?" Right? I mean, right? I mean, again, I'm I'm not trying to despair, but I'm saying when you just look at it, when's the last time a number one recruit in the country went to an? I don't know, I'm even going to get into he went to HBC. When's the last time the number one recruit in America went to a FCS program? Been long. Been long so, so how did that happen? I'm saying, so, and again, I think I'm not accusing anybody. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying. It, it would at least raise a suspicion of, of, how, of how that happened. And then you go to Miami. Yes, what he said was right. You did have a booster in the paper saying, we formed this company to keep players at Miami. Like, you flat out said it. 
It was it was reported that way. So he's not wrong, but I think where he 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 tripped up was you pointed out Texas A&M. You said Jackson State. You said Miami. Don't talk about other. You know, I, I said you know uh, the Jimbo Fisher kind of gave Saban the Will Smith treatment. Keep my program's name out your mouth. And I think that's why Dion's all mad. I don't think that if you really press Dion, did you do some extra things to get him to Jackson State? I'm sure you probably did. Keep my program's name out your mouth. Like you're like worry about yourself. And I actually say Nick in that thing said, look, it's not an excuse for the NCAA to say that there's no enforcement. That is the problem. Right? Uh, to me, that's the whole the NCAA, who is the oversight body of this whole thing, is toothless. They can't do anything. Mm-hmm. So that that is a problem. So I, I don't think it's a, hey, I'm gonna give them a pass. No, that's the problem. Is that the organization that you all belong to is can't do anything. There are various reasons for that. Hey, they're scared of getting sued to get, uh, that that you point out. But Ben, it's like if if we have a road, and, and again, somebody said this. I'm trying to think who it was. Somebody said it last week at uh, at the AC Media Days. If we're out here on on the road and they have a speed limit that says the speed limit's 55 miles an hour, that you know why? Because the pol- the, the police and the state of Georgia said it's 55 miles an hour. That's the guideline. Is anybody going to get pulled over? Well, no. Is anybody going to get a warning? No. Is anybody going to get a ticket? No. Well, do you expect people to go 55 miles an hour if that's the case? Of course not. And I think that's uh, where we're at with, with college football. So I don't have a problem with what Nick said. I have a problem with calling out other schools because, again, everybody's going to get mad when you're like, why are you bringing me into this? Right? Let me worry about me. You worry about you. I think that's how most coaches are going to take it. And they should. They should. Deion Sanders should feel a certain type of way. When you start talking about, and obviously everybody who don't know, I mean, talk about Travis Hunter, the number one recruit in the country that chose Jackson State over Florida State. He wasn't even going to a Texas A&M or an Alabama. But to cast, to cast, to cast any doubt or any level of, you know, uh, hesitation or, you know, getting people like saying, oh, what's going on at Jackson State? You're talking about the situation in Miami. Look, at the end of the day, right, Nick Saban, Nick Saban uh, is the highest paid coach in the country. Because he has it in the contract to where I'm going to be the highest paid coach <laughs> yeah, in the country yeah. no matter what, right? That's what he negotiated, right? Nick Saban. We talked about it with Matt Smith, uh, you know, a segment ago. Nick Saban had to adjust to college football. It used to be ground and pound, you know, old school, just you know, three yards in a cloud of dust, right? But look at his lab, but look at it, look at look at the track record with the quarterbacks. Jalen, Tua, Mac, Bryce, Airy, right? Jalen was kind of phasing out. Did you go to Tua? Did you go to Mac? Did you go to Bryce, right? Bryce Young got a got a got a I think he got like a million dollar deal once he got on campus. Now let me get this straight. Bryce Young, who got recruited to go to Alabama when there was no NIL, is already on campus. Once NIL gets there, and they one Nick Saban was talking about what he was gonna get at one SEC Media Days. We need to the thing about Nick Saban that he needs to be very, very careful of is this. If you cannot prove what goes on at another campus, you need to leave it alone. Because you get to make an allegation that people get to say, man, why did you say that? Yes, I know he's going on the apology tour, but, it, but it's already done. Ain't nobody's going to, you know, the apology tour is kind of like protocol. I do agree, Kevin. Look, I don't think this is the end of college football or college athletics. Because once again, we are not talking about a widespread problem. You make a great, you make a great analogy, Kevin, 55 miles an hour, right? Most of us have gone over 55, right? <laughs> Most of us have gone over 55. But we all know how fast we should be going. Now, we've all gotten a ticket, too. 
Now, you're probably going to drive the speed limit a little longer when you get a ticket. Nah, yeah, that ain't going to last either <laughs> because, because you've already built up. The thing about NIL is we need a floor. What is it? Because I think the biggest thing about NIL, like, he is, like you're saying, Kevin, is if somebody goes, when Jimbo says, quote, we didn't break the rules, well, what rules were you? Like, what rules were you abiding by? So, Nick Saban, word to the wise, leave, like you say, Kevin, Nick Saban, I mean, I mean, uh, you basically Jimbo, you know, Jimbo was, uh, you know, Will Smith and, you know, Nick Saban was Chris Rock. <laughs> yeah, and Bam. if you missed it, Jimbo was mad. He called a quick early press conference and he started out with this. First of all, I'll say it's a shame that we have to do this. It's really despicable. It's despicable that somebody can say things about somebody and an organ. More importantly, 17-year-old kids. You're taking shots at 17-year-old kids and their families. That they broke state laws. That they're, that they're, they're all money. We bought every player on this group. We never bought anybody. No rules were broken. Nothing was done wrong. It was all in the, and the way we do things, the ethics in which we do things. And these families, it's despicable that a reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen. And it's ridiculous But when, when he's not on top. And the parody in college football he's been talking about, go talk to coaches who coach for him. You'll find out all the parody. Go dig into wherever he's been. You can find out anything. And it's a shame that you got to sit here and defend 17-year-old kids and families and Texas A&M because we do things right. We're always going to do things right. But we're, not, we're always going to be here. We're doing a heck of a job. These coaches have done a great job. Our players have done a great job. The whole organization of recruiting people. It's despicable that we got to sit here at this level of ball and, and say these things to defend the people of this organization, the kids, 17-year-old kids and their families. It's amazing. Some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his, his deal. You may find out about, about a guy that a lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out, what he does and how he does it. And it's despicable. It really is. And it's a shame we have to sit up here and have this conversation about things we do. And it's and it personal to us. Yes, it is. It's personal to A&M. It's personal to our players. It's personal to our coaches and everybody involved. And I know the guy. know him really well. It's amazing that we're allowed to do those things. It's really despicable. And I, and I hate it. For our players who are coming here, who did things the right way, have done things the right way, and will continue to do things the right way, I apologize to you, the people who insult you publicly the way they're doing it. And our fans, I, I apologize to you guys for people saying those things about Texas A&M. But I promise you this, there are, no, there are no violations. There are nothing wrong. It's the second time we've had to do this with grown men who don't get their way and want to pout, throw a fit, and act up. Just go ask all the people who work for him. You'll know exactly what he's about. I always said this. My dad always told me this. When people show you who they are, believe them. He's showing you who he is. Uh, so he was mad. Just, just, just a little bit. Just but, I mean, a little bit. but again, he was also in full politician mode. The, the kids. It's all about the kids and their families. And all, you know, all the things you go try to play on people. But look, again, with Nick and with Jimbo, you're going at one another saying, we have done nothing wrong. We always do things the right way. Better hope so, because there will be people looking. Oh, it's yeah. the SEC. We're oh, going to yeah. dig. And so, look, I, 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 I just look at it and say, look, you're going you're gonna to say that kind of stuff. I get Jimbo has to defend himself. 
But you also kind of took some backhanded shots. Hey, we, we made him the czar of college football. Go go look at his path. Why don't you tell us? Right? What what exactly? Because wouldn't that be a, a nice follow-up? You're saying look at his path. What, what? Why don't you tell us? You got the microphone. Right? Yeah, so so I, I look at some of this stuff as going, okay, you're, you're saying a lot, but you're not telling us the whole story uh, with, with that situation. I get he's mad. I get he's frustrated. But again... You're you're going back the other way, making out. Hey, why don't you go look at his past? See what he's done. Well, you coached for him. What, what are you talking about? Right? Why did you leave? Mm-hmm. Obviously, your head kitten head coach money. But I mean, look, you say some of that stuff like, "Oh, we make it God." Why don't you find out how God got his deal? Well, how did he get his deal? So I think there's some things that, obviously, from Jimbo, I'd love to have answered. You're throwing out some stuff about Nick, basically saying like, "Hey, he's not a good dude." So. I, this is only beginning, I think. I, I, again, I don't know if you, when you say stuff back like that. Yeah. I don't know how you just, like Matt said, hey, maybe there'll be a handshake no. and they'll talk it out. I don't know, man. Like you, when you say stuff like that as Jimbo, he doesn't care. They asked him later. Did Nick called you? Yep, he called. Did talk him? Nope, didn't answer it. Not going to. Don't need to. I'm done. We're, he said, I, I think he said, we're done. Mm-hmm. That does sound like something that could be repaired, even if you stake back at it. Like you have said stuff publicly now, like, why don't you ask him how he got his deal? Those are things that you can't really take back because you're impugning his integrity and character at that point with no evidence, no proof other than, why don't you go talk to some people? Well, we're talking to you. You're one of those people you're talking about. So, uh, look, I know a lot of the anti-saving people are like, yes, you know, and I love it. It's a great talking point, man. It is. Hey, you just took a run at the goat. So, I mean, I, I, I think there is a, a lot to digest there, but look, it's obviously a new age of college football. And there's going, there's a lot of people that will feel, and maybe Nick Saban's the wrong guy to do it. But I guarantee you, there's a lot of guys that are in that. Go, go look at the programs who are probably ranked fiftieth to eighty fifth, and say, oh, oh yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. Buying players, how about don't cast stones? There's a lot of, a lot of the top twenty five programs living in glass houses up there, talking about buying players. We'd love to be able to buy recruiting classes, but we don't got that many boosters. We don't have that kind of money, so. Uh, look, I, I think this could go on because now it's going to be, I mean, Lane Kiffin, Deion Sanders is all mad uh, about this, Ben. So I think every coach is going to have some of this stuff called into question. Like uh, now, lo and behold, of all days, Jordan Addison goes to Southern Cal when it was rumored for weeks mm-hmm. while he was at BC was getting offered. Hey, you come out here, transfer away. We got a bunch of NIL deals already waiting. Not supposed to be able to do that. Wonder if they'll have anything to say coming out of uh, Chestnut Hill uh, about that situation. You, you, you would. Think I mean, so, excuse right? me, out of Pitt. I wonder if Pat Narduzzi. Yeah, excuse me. Should. I don't know why I said Boston. Well, Pat Narduzzi has something to say about he that. Say, hey, you, you well, know, he should. I my mean, best Pat receiver Nar- just decides to up and go. Well, he should after a great season to Southern Cal. And if he comes out tomorrow with an NIL deal, that I means them, them things don't just get set up in one afternoon. <laughs> so I mean, it's crazy. It is, Kevin. It is, and, and the crazy thing about it is too, though the same the same way Jimbo. Then, like being called out about Texas A&M, right? Rightfully so. Now he's forcing the coach that's, that's coach uh, under Nick Saban to pick a side because he's trying to sh- set, set the narrative of, oh, just ask them. Like as if to say, man, look, number one, Jimbo. Everybody who coached under Nick Saban is not a head coach like you. Everybody who coached under Nick Saban understands that, hey, man, if I go throwing him under the bus, well, a lot of these people I'm trying to get coaches, trying to eventually coach with, know him. So you're trying to, you know, now, is some of the things he say true? Yeah, but we don't know what is and what isn't. We have to decide, like you said, Kevin, 
If I was a fan of Nick Saban before this, I'm even more of a fan. If I wasn't a fan, I am not. If I was a fan of Jimbo Fisher before this, I'm even more of a fan. If I wasn't, I am still not. But at the same time, the same way I didn't like Nick Saban calling out uh, Deion Sanders and, and uh, you know, uh, Miami, ba- Miami basketball player, yeah. you know, uh, you know uh, and so on and so forth. I don't like the fact that Tootie and a guy like Jimbo is over there trying to call coaches out. Because, listen, your experience not everybody's. But now that you put it out there, whoever coached on Nick Saban, which is a long list, yeah. going to be getting the ring. Yeah, they're going to be uh, asking some questions. What was Nick like? We got more to come. Three and out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. This is Super Bowl 46 champ Chris Canny, and you're listening to 3 and Out with DJ Ben and Kevin. Good to have you on, on this Thursday. No Braves tonight. They'll be back uh, tomorrow, but obviously a lot of uh, college football talk. Uh, both Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher getting the official reprimand from the SEC office. I don't know what that entails. I don't know if they get fined or... <laughs> Stop it. For those of you who can't see that uh, on the radio... Ben, there's a little smack ben, on the ben, ben I mean, I mean a, what, if they get fined, well, I mean, it, it ain't going to be in the mill. going to find you guys both $50,000. How you like that? I'm Let me go it. dig in my couch cushions yeah, real quick. I, 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 might, I, might, I, got, I, got, I got a bunch of NID. They call endorsements. <laughs> so I'll just... Yeah, look, I, it's it's going to be interesting. Like I said the SEC is going to have their spring meetings coming up in twelve days. Jimbo and Nick are supposed to be there. We'll we'll see if they talk to each other. Nick, if they just stand Jimbo. on op- or they just stand on opposite sides of the room and look at each other. No, no, no. I'm hoping the Greg saying is that listen, go ahead and hug it out now. Hug it out, especially while the cameras are here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's that one where you hug it out, and then in the ear, you're like, "You listen here, you're not, you're yeah, like, yeah." You're like, "You ain't nothing but a good shit." And they push each other. It's all over again. No, man. I mean, at the end of the day, Kevin, listen. You you, you had a public spat. You're gonna have to have you, you're gonna have to go through the public apology tour. And Nick's like, kind of doing some yeah. of that. He's like, "I'm sorry, I singled out Jackson State and uh, and and Texas A&M. I should have done that, but." I, I think oh, yeah, I, I don't want to him, him and Deanna parlay this thing into another commercial or something. <laughs> They'll do it. That, that's just what they do, right? You know? Just step out over there. It's like, yeah. hey, I'm Nick Saban. You know, yeah, you Ever can feel win. like you want to do a, You can win a yeah. million dollars. Ever feel like you want to apologize? Have a Snickers. Have a Snickers. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back. It's three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Hey, I'm Brad Stewart, former Georgia Tech wide receiver and former Benedictine receiver, and you're listening to 3 and Out with, with BJ, Ben, and Kevin. Good to have you back on this Thursday. Braves off tonight, Ben. They'll be back uh, tomorrow in South Florida. That schedule takes a turn much easier uh, coming up over the next month. I don't believe they play a team with a above 500 record presently uh, over the next 30 days, so uh, hopefully... Uh, that helps them turn, and the Mets starting to met with a number of guys injured. We'll see if they can take advantage. At the end of the day, Kevin, I care about the Braves uh, hitting that new wave, getting on a nice little, you know, a winning streak. And listen, I mean, hope the Mets players get back, 
you know, sooner rather than later, but it's about them Bravos getting on a winning streak. Absolutely. And about those 17-year-old kids and their families. 17 years old and those families. <laughs> I will say this. Jimbo, they are, we're going to have to, before the, before we get to SME today, we're going we're gonna to do our top 10 rants. I think Jimbo might be in the top five. Oh, that's five up there. Either. Jimbo's also looking at it like, oh, oh, well, we bought. Nick, have you seen the price of oil out there, my guy? Because a lot of our alums are having a really good quarter. With that, with that, with that four and five dollar gas, uh, you know, rolling around. So if it's four or five dollars over here on the East Coast, <laughs> yeah. you're gonna you're gonna have to find you a bike if you live on the West Coast. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I think somebody <laughs> says up up close to like six bucks. I'm like <laughs> yes, that is uh, wow. Neither here nor there, but yeah, the West Texas oil business, it's going going swimmingly at the moment. We'll see you tomorrow. Matt Smith, Gorov, Vdog, they join us today. If you missed any of the show. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or go to ESPNCoastal.com. We'll see you tomorrow on 3 and Out.